Welcome to As the Wheel of Time Turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. I am your host, BJ. I am joined by Lee. Lee, how's it going? Doing great. Excited to talk about this episode. Big Landfear episode. Super excited. As always, uh, it's good to see Landfear, and I know that makes you happy. Uh, Sarah, Indeed. how's it going? It's 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 great. I, I am very excited to talk about what what constitutes a big Lamphere episode. Uh, I think Lamphere doing anything on screen uh, makes it a big episode. Fair um, enough. But I, Res- I'm excited to hear more. <laughs> also, you know, we That's have true. multiple outfits. We have a lot of things going on with Lamphere. So, like, there, there are things to talk about. Most of my uh, thoughts on Lamphere and everyone in this episode are costuming related. So I'm, um, I'm very excited. I'm, I am here for it, and I have uh, things to to ask about and discuss. But before that, I should introduce our fourth co-host. Um, before I get an elbow to the ribs, Bree, how's it going? Bree, oh, it's going. I'm actually very excited to hear about your your costuming cont- commentary. Um, but before that, uh, we have some segments. Uh, this will probably be in one of those segments. But we do a recap with Lee, uh, followed. Woo by uh scene slash uh best quotes of the episode uh and winners and losers of the episode not that there are any in this episode who would think of thunk it and then Bri and i go into some uh spoiler talk uh with some book information things like that uh, if you don't want to be spoiled with book stuff even though kind of has nothing to do with the tv show anymore as far as we can tell uh don't listen to that yeah uh, i mean the spoilers that i drop might not actually be spoilers so Fun well, facts. it's at least spoilers for the books. Exactly. Right? That's yeah. what y'all yeah. say. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So I also, so we took took a week off. Um, had some people traveling last week. Couldn't do it last week. So two weeks since the pod. I will say to our audience and to you all that I have become a Wheel of Time scholar in this time period. I have read the first four books. I'm about 20 pages done until I'm done with the fourth book. I have the Wheel of Time Companion. I am a scholar. I basically know it all at this point, but I cannot join you all for the spoiler talk because you very well, well may talk about in game stuff, right? Like you, you both have read all of the books. Yeah. So I can't join you for that, but I do say that because I think what you're going to get out of me in the recap is probably, um, I'm not quite as good at noticing what's a spoiler and what isn't as BJ is. So I think I'll get those like really like, um, fierce looks. Like when you say something wrong and BJ shoots you a look, but he does, he's not saying anything on the podcast, <laughs> but like, uh, I anticipate I'll get some of that because, uh, it is kind of hard when you, I, I, I don't know how you, I mean, you guys must've struggled with this because like, once you know the book story, um, there's little stuff, right? Like what you name things, like you don't know if they name it that in the show or not, but it's named, whatever the thing is, is named a particular thing in the books. Yeah. And I write it down that way. So I feel like I might get into some of that in the recap, but we'll see. Are we ready uh, for the recap? Yeah, I and, think and we are. I'm excited because, you know, probably before we, we record the last episode, you'll you'll be all the way through and get to join us on, on all the spoiler things. So so I am going fast. Uh, and You're going to hit I the slog that, soon. So there's this, there's something called Jordan Con yep. uh, in April or May or something <laughs> next year, which is a Robert, it's Wheel of Time only con. And I'm like, if I could finish all the books before then, I could go to it. Because I'm not going to go to it and like walk around and be like, don't tell me, don't, spo- don't spoil a book that's 10 years old. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. So, yeah, I got to figure out if I can read it before then. But for now, I'm through four books. And by the way, it's fantastic. Like, if you're thinking about reading the books, read the books. Like, if you like the show and you're like on the fence, I, trust me, you'll like the books. The first book is interesting. But like when you get the second, 
second, third, and fourth, it, it, it gets into another gear. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm really, really glad that I do this podcast because I don't think I'd have started reading the books without it. And I hope somebody out there is kind of in the same boat. Started watching the show, listening to the pod, and ends up reading the books because they are they're fantastic. You are not only a Wheel of Time scholar, you are a Wheel of Time evangelist. And uh, yeah. it has actually worked in our own household as well. I am recommitting to reading the books. Um, oh, really? Yes. Oh, I must be at Severin because uh, guess what? Spencer's also reading them too. Yep. A, a uh, I reading them. It, I like it. <laughs> All right. I'm so next is going to be your cats are going to take it up. Like yeah. where's this going? I'm bending, I'm bending the wheel to me. All the threads in the pattern are bending <laughs> to me. I like it. <laughs> You're like, not so much the spoke web. of the wheel as the water upon that turns the wheel. And <laughs> so what I'm going to say is it. if Spencer hasn't finished the first book, the complaint that you're going to get is that this is very derivative. It's a lot like Lord of the Rings. And that's exactly what it was. And, you know, that that's yeah. fine. So people, and that's why, who... you know, it's slow. You know, things don't really pick up. The magic system's kind of wishy-washy. Like, you know, everything's kind of hazy. Uh, but, you know, then Jordan hits his stride and, and it becomes a lot more engaging. So for people who only listen to this podcast, Spencer is a, a co-host on the podcast with me. He does a bunch of the other Mangum Talks podcasts. Right now we're doing a podcast about Silo called Breaking Down the Silo. We do a lot of different podcasts on the Mangum Talks Podcast Network. BJ, you and I are in lockstep on this one. It's going to feel weird to you because we're allies, <laughs> but we're in lockstep. And Spencer read about, I think, the first seven or eight chapters. He was giving me updates on every chapter. And he sent me probably two paragraphs on text, which is like, you know, he, he texts with one finger. He's like 70 <laughs> years old. So like it took him a half hour to do this. And it, it was all the different points about how it's exactly the same as Tolkien. So checkbox, <laughs> you, got, you got that one right, right away. Yeah. Um, and I also expected it just like you. So I told him, look, read the first one, but also please read the second one. Like I made it a package deal. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, you got to read number two as well. Right. <laughs> which I actually would say that to our audience too. It's like, first book is great. It's it's really good, but like I feel like he really hits his stride in the second book. He finds his voice. So um, that's my that's my non spoilery book review. I mean, Read them. They're kind great. of not unlike the TV show. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you get past the first season, get past the first book, and then it starts to roll. <laughs> oh, this is the yeah. thing they've book. decided to adapt from books to show. Neat. <laughs> yep. So so this if that's is the through line right here. If that's the case, season four is going to be a banger and it's going to be 18 episodes long. And then we're going to get to later seasons and there are going to be 20 episodes and nothing will happen. <laughs> I, I, hear, I keep hearing that that's going to happen. I'm expecting it. All right, let's jump in the recap. It's enough book talk. Recap, we do a, um, so the recap of the previous episode is we start with Moraine's Oath to Swan. So they want you right away to know, remember, Moraine has an Oath to Swan, Sanchin. Um, Landfear talking to Rand. I haven't given you any reason to trust me. Uh, Nynaeve explaining the Adam. Paranabara, would you like to dance? I have a spoilery question about Avienda for you two at some point. Maybe we'll have to do it off pod. But I have a, a question about what they're doing with that character. Matt and Min. Matt not leaving Rand alone and Moraine learning about it. Okay. Recap of the episode. We start with the 20 flashback to 20 years ago. And we get this scene of, can I say an excitable Moraine? Is this an excitable Moraine? It's the strangest thing. She seems like giddy. She's almost She's like girlish. girlish. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> that is the word. Uh, so is this weird. is supposed to be Moraine and Swan as like newly minted, like the freshest of the fresh mm-hmm. Isidai. Um, so they're supposed to have like just gotten the shawl, which I guess in the show they just got their stone Stones. in the ring. I, yeah. A little disappointing. 
but uh, one of the one of the fun things that they do seem to be carrying into the show uh, a bit, which is newly minted Asadai sort of always wear their colors, mm, and mm-hmm. so uh, it becomes a little less of a thing. But like it, it's kind of uh, they've been accepted into their presumably Aja of choice at that point, and so they're just like all about house pride. It's very this is the kid. <laughs> this is the kid who gets into college, the college they want, and first weekend home for fall. Oh my gosh! Is like rocking all of the gear of the college everywhere around their hometown. That's Absolutely, yes. I don't know. It's it was a great scene. There was a lot of little things, right? So the stuff I'll point out is the stuff that I found particularly interesting. So Moraine and Swan are talking about like what their life is going to be like, and they're sort of like in this giddy sort of postulating mode, right? And Moraine, even in this different version of her, is like, wants to serve a leader. She's like, we can serve, you know, somebody in power. And she actually says we could, one of the options is the daughter heir of Andor, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of funny that she was, she was tossing, batting that around. Um, Gwatara Sakai, uh, Sadai, actually uh, is the person who they come in and meet. She's having, she's foretelling. And she seems to be like right in the moment with Rand's mom, right? As Moraine's mom is having mm-hmm. the baby. And they, we get this this quote, and uh, the baby lies. No, I feel it. It's happening now. The baby lies in the snow and cries like the thunder and burns like the sun. Tell no one, my sisters, you must find the dragon reborn and prepare the world to follow. Moraine's like, what the actual fuck? At the end of that, like the look on her face, she's kind of blown away. But we do get a sense that that's the real turning point for her. And there you go. That's the twenty year flashback. Yeah, this is like a, the moment where Moraine finds her thing. Right. Is my impression is that like we are seeing the moment where she has been given her life's work. This is the galvanizing moment. First Uh, time LeBron dribbled a basketball. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is this is what changed her. Right. Of like Alana's. Well, I wish you'd known her 20 years before. Like this is that transition Mm. moment. So we got like two and a half minutes of her before. And then. Yeah. yeah. And also like a little bit more of uh, when her younger sister but uh Anavir talks about like uh her coming back and not having time for things like sort of yeah. all these things yeah. and the other thing uh the Moraine's surprise look could also be that uh this presumably fairly powerful Ace Sedai just like died in her arms just died yeah, yeah. uh so yeah. like this is um one of the things that I mean you sort of can tell in the show I feel like, I, you know, I don't know how obvious that is, uh, whether like she's dead or it took a lot from her, um, but that's very made very clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they did a fairly, other than like, you know, somebody checking her pulse, I think they did a pretty good job of suggesting that she is dead because it it's paralleled with Rand's mother dying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very similar sequence by sequence. So like, I certainly I think that's heavily implied. Yeah, I certainly assumed that she had died. Now, is the and maybe maybe we know this and I missed missed it, or maybe it's something we find out later, or maybe we don't know. But is the implication here that because she was involved in this sort of seeing event, that that linked her so closely with Rand's mom that she actually died with her because of the mom, or was it because of because the person she was seeing died? Or was it something to do with the power? 
So like what was the uh, actual like linkage yeah, there? Yeah. Really sure. So so nobody knows. Okay. Yeah. No nobody right. knows. Well, so in, in the books, basically, uh with at least this Aesodai, the power of the foretelling takes a toll. So like the more mm. important the event, okay. the bigger toll it takes. And this is basically like the, the most, most important, important thing that ever happened. Sure. And so because like of that Except for the last time. What? I said, except for the last time, except for the last time it happened, except for the last time the dragon was born. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since, yeah. since then it's the most important thing. Right. Um, uh, okay. All right. Uh, anything else on that scene? No, no. We, all right. So SWAT, the cut to modern day Swan is waiting. Heck of an outfit. Peacocking. Moraine comes in. Moraine bows low. She's bows very low to Swan. Swan dismisses Leanne. I like true to the books, Leanne, not, not happy to leave Swan's side ever. I like, <laughs> yeah. I like that little mm-hmm. nugget. That's kind of mm-hmm. great. And then, uh, Swan kind of dirty was like, she's not a threat to me. I thought oh, that was kind of mean kind of, um, when they're alone, Swan immediately wants to know why Marine didn't tell her she'd been stilled six months of letters, Marine, not a word about this. She called it a violation, this violation. Marine asked what Lan told her. Guess what? Lan did actually tell her more shit. Because <laughs> Marine kind of says it offhandedly. Yeah. She's like, what else did Lan tell you? And she goes, oh, well, let me count the ways. First off, the dragon reborn. Uh, also told me the thing about you saying Alana was going to take his bond forcibly. That's kind of <laughs> fucked up. Like, she just starts listing all the shit that Lan gave her. Uh, Swan knows about the dragon reborn. She says it's time to meet Rand Althor. Rand is outside. Whew. Anything on that scene? Uh, I, I think this was... I, I sort of wish there had been a little bit more emotional, I don't know, impact from the scene from Swan. Like, I guess, and I, it was there on second rewatch, but, like, I just didn't feel that, you know, because she felt, I mean, and she says it, right, like, a violation that Moraine hasn't told her about being stilled. But, like, that's a, basically, like, she's been hiding a big problem from her partner. Like, something that would make the vast majority of Aes Sedai suicidal as we learn in this episode so Mm -hmm. i think i i I totally get what you're saying i think my read on it is that like swan is so um so like so fundamentally rocked by what moraine has done to her that she has retreated into bureaucracy like she has Mm. retreated into her title um in in all of her dealings with her and that's that's the read i get on the scenes like this where like the rage is sort of there but i think she's protecting herself because she is feels so harmed and violated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, she doesn't have uh, the taking off of the, like taking off her stole or anything like any like full, me- method to, yeah. Yeah. To show like every, the, the other times, own. like she's met with uh, Moraine alone. She does something to be like, all right, it's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. It's Swan and Moraine, not the Amarillin and Moraine Sadat. Yeah. Yeah, because we yeah. don't even really get any of the, like, personal reaction from Swan here. We get the Amarlin's reaction. Right. And I'll that's fair. This. I just think it might be helpful for the viewer to really invest in, like, understanding how much of a problem this is for their relationship. Sure. I'll say this. Uh, and I, won't, I will not do this the whole episode or the last three episodes of this podcast covering the season but like there is nothing about the show amelin character that is better than the book amelin character like <laughs> they have they have demolished that that character stinks on the show compared to the book and and the thing that's that it, it's relevant for show only watchers because also in a vacuum it's not a good character 
Like if you take if you just don't even remove the book comparison, it's still not a particularly strong character. There's they're leaving a lot on the board. This is supposed to be the person that governs all of the Aes Sedai. She should have a gravitas. She should command the room. There should be uh, she should have a pow an intrinsic power that you just sort of trust. She seems nothing but small this entire episode, and I don't find her character particularly interesting. This is one thing I, I love this season. I think it's fantastic, but this is one thing I don't think they do well. well yeah, they, the, they really didn't build her up at all. One of the interesting things that does actually get at that a little bit in this episode, though, is is the comment from Moraine in a later scene when they're talking when um they're talking about what each of them was supposed to do in light of their knowledge of the dragon being reborn and moraine is like you were supposed to have prepared the tower like you were supposed to have gotten the ice and i ready for this and you didn't <laughs> um and i think that goes to your point lee that like that weakness seems to be something that they also kind of want to build into this version of of the character sure. like whether whether that's particularly effective or not like it is it is there um yeah i think there is a second scene that also uh hints at why she might not be as powerful as you know we we might expect which is uh a landfare scene at the mm -hmm. end mm -hmm. yeah but it, it's just yeah i mean I th it I is think, disappointing I don't think yeah I don't think it's an accident that they made her seem kind of weak this episode. It's just, it feels like they're leaving a lot on the table. Like, I feel like this could be a much more interesting character mm -hmm. than what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's particularly striking when it's done so well in the book. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and and Rand, that, that's why we talked about a bunch in previous episodes about they seem to be giving a lot of that to Leandrin. And I think that they're mm. uh, offering, uh, they're, they're making the dark a lot stronger in terms of their pull, in terms of their fleshing out of the characters that are on uh, the side of the dark. And so I think that they didn't, uh, they, they have taken things away from the Amerlin and given them to Leandrin, which is made for, you know, a, a tougher swallow of like, how powerful the Amaral is supposed to be. Mm, yep. Yeah. It's like, you know what, you know, this probably comes down to, and it's like kind of like bullshit, but it happens in these TV shows. They probably just think they have a stronger actress than Leandra. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's so many of these shows, they end up changing the source material. Cause they're like, man, I really like this person. I want them on screen more. And the actress who plays Leandra is fantastic. Striking. Yeah. yeah. Much better than what I'm getting from Swan. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But, and, and I would say the same thing with, you know, Moraine, Lanfear, uh, as well, where, you know, they are much more towards mm -hmm. the forefront in the show than they are in the books because they have stars. Oh yeah. You mm -hmm. want to, you want to know my Moraine impression from the book? <laughs> Please. The, the wheel weaves is the wheel wheels. It's a, uh, Hey, Hey Rand, shut up Moraine. Okay. <laughs> That's my impression. That's my impression of Moraine. And scene. <laughs> hey Rand, shut up. Uh, anyway, so Rand's out, back to the recap. Rand's outside. He's upset. Lan's talking with him. Uh, I love this whole thing of Lan prepping Rand to meet the Amerlin. Um, I just, I love, I love the scene. Um, anytime Lan is able to like be sort of like old man wisdom, like grandfatherly, yep. like, you know, he, I think, I think that character is just born, built for mm -hmm. that. I hope yeah. there's a lot more of that in this story. Uh, and this uh, is just such go a ahead. good scene for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I have it's, also it's never never more identified with Lan than tuck in your shirt 
as an opening line <laughs> for a scene. Like, tell him. Yeah, it's great. Tell him, Lance. He's like telling him, like, he, he clearly has told him how to, like, talk to the Amber yes. like what to say and like to to do the you know how to how to bow and like all this stuff and then like he tries to get Rand's sword and say Rand does this little like twirl thing and he like smiles proud papa and he's like Heron dips the wing and it, that's apparently Rand has been working on it which I, I really like that continuity that he's been working on some of the stuff that um, he's learned over the last season and a half and then Lan which thank god he fought somebody finally said it uh, Nobody gives a shit about your sword, so just keep the sword. It's fine. Like <laughs> she, she's concerned you might blow up the world. Your sword is okay. Yep. And Lan puts a different coat on him. Note that he gets a nice coat. He gets a fancy coat. This is fancy coat Rand, and he uses cat crosses the courtyard, and he goes in to meet her. Uh, so fancy coat Rand has interesting stuff on his fancy coat. Ah, Do you know what the perfect. interesting stuff is? Sarah? Yeah, he has the um, the symbol for the city of Carhain. Yep. Uh, uh, is embroidered which, on the back of his coat and it's a it's a sun rising over nice. a horizon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very cool. Yep. I think it's also supposed to be uh, House Damadret. Well, that was going to be my question because like my read on this and I didn't go deep enough into like, is this specific to House Damadret and Moraine? But it's, see, it, it's felt to me like it was Moraine claiming Rand. Yeah, I, that that's the feeling that I got, which is, it was also interesting that it's blue. Yeah. Um, because. Oh, they the make a lovely couple. A, yeah. A lot more <laughs> often red. Uh, mm. But uh, kind of similar to the coat that Lanfear had him in. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah. I, Maybe I, I, one day he'll choose his own wardrobe. <laughs> I don't. We you know, play, saw that at the beginning wardrobe. of all of this. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it fine. doesn't go well. Uh-uh. I'm I'm very much a Rand Stan. I'm Dragon Sworn. Like I like anything that gives him pomp. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I'm all for it. Give yeah. me a fancy hat, a, a monocle. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, and so this is almost beat for beat a scene from the books, which yeah. is you know one of those things that you know we talk about where the show does really really well when it either follows the books you know really closely or does its own thing. And this is this is one of those scenes that. I think is uh, end of book two super iconic scene. It's interesting because I I don't I have not sought out any book spoilers. I, I, I know absolutely nothing that happens in the books, and I read it and thought I bet this is an iconic scene. Like I bet I bet fans love this because it it's it goes on a lot longer obviously in the book, but it's it it's very much the same. It's Land basically being like, "Come on, farm boy! Like it's time for you to like tighten up. You're about to meet a fancy lady here," <laughs> and teaches him all kinds of manners real fast. And then he goes into the Amberlin and like kind of vomits out all these manners, which is exactly <laughs> kind of what he does here. And the Amberlin's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> you know, it's kind of great. I love it's, the idea yeah, of vomiting out of manners. Like, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to when they come out. It's just like I know this thing. Ma'am, bow, twirl. Say you're sorry. Like, yeah, just all this shit. At stand one time. ready. So he uses the, yeah, he, that's what he said. He says, I stand ready. And she says, do you now, boy? Lan has prepared you, I see. Rand says Swan isn't exactly what she seems. She says most people are not. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that when she calls him, she calls him boy. She calls all men boy, right? Not just Rand. I'm trying to get the, her lexicon right. Because she, I know she calls all women daughter. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think this I think is she calls a derogatory. Yeah, Boy. I think yeah, this is very much her talking down to him. I don't. I, what would I, she call Lan? I think she calls Lan Lan. I, I think that no, no, like, or Warder. Yeah. Yeah. She's got to have 
but what was she, what is her generic name for a man? It's, to, it's not just like dude, right? Like she's, I, I, I don't know. I feel like she talks kind of <laughs> down to everybody. Yeah. Um, Maybe. I don't yeah, I don't know. The books. Yeah. Mm. I, well, I don't know. If I come across it, I'll, I'll try to figure, I'll try to yeah, circle flag back. It. But like, I, I don't know. Uh, but it's like, yeah. Uh, so it's one or the other, but either way, she is calling a boy. And um, Swan says that she will not guard her truce today, tells him not to. And he says, and then what? Cut to some shadowy person clobbering Matt. Anything on the Rand Swan introduction? It was an interesting uh, interaction where, you know, Rand's sort of like, all right, what's going on here? Um, and this feels like one of those many times where, like, they seem to be just injecting drama at, at in a place that they don't really have time. Like, I kind of like the tension a little bit, but also it feels like they're spending a lot of time with... Uh, you know, building tension with Swan and like literally just everybody uh, that that she comes in contact with, uh, and it feels like they they're taking away from other things, uh, like you know maybe a little bit of Moraine and Rand, Lan and Rand. Uh, you know that scene was short, but it was good, and uh, we see a little like we see a little bit of that effect with Swan and Rand, but like I don't know, it it just sort of feels like. We're building tension, but not saying a whole lot. Um, and I sort of feel well, like fleshing out a little bit of, of what was going on there might have helped with what Swan was supposed to be. I guess I can say that I did watch this. Not, like It's so strange. I watched it, not a book reader at all, when I first blew through it. And this actually, this scene was full of a massive amount of tension because I was extremely worried that she was going to gentle him, right? Yeah. Um, like Because like, anybody who hasn't read the books, like that's a, that's a real fear that mm-hmm. they've built up. So that that might be why that that scene worked for me. And I actually I think it it works well to foreshadow what is going to happen even in this episode. But like Rand is not trustful of Aes Sedai and nothing that the Merlin says in this little, you know, back and forth helps with that. And so, you know, they're already at, at odds and that just progresses through the show. Like there's not any sort of false sense of oh, the Merlin might be on my side. It's like, she clearly doesn't think anything of me, you know, as, as Rand. Like, he, mm-hmm. he feels very confronted and also talked down to. Like, that's all very obvious already. Yeah, I yeah. did think... And I think that... Go ahead, I was sir. just going to say that I think one thing that the, the interactions between Rand and the Amerlin did for me was really solidify... I mean, A... Uh, and we get this later, like what the actual plan for the Dragon Reborn is, which was not like rumors swirling around everywhere, um, but no real specifics on that. But then specifically, the the way that the Amerlin thinks of the Dragon Reborn only as a tool, only as an object. Um, and yeah. that is clear from Jump in this interaction with how she's talking to him. Well, right. I think her mistake is telling him that he's a tool well Terry, if you really to... think of somebody as a tool i'm not sure that you care i mean uh, yeah the, I don't, the I... problem is that 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 she thinks of rand as a tool but he is a tool but not that kind of tool. yeah exactly. we have many yeah, thoughts he, on his toolhood Aww. yes he's the type of he's the type of tool who falls in love with everybody he sees, but like he's not he's not the type of tool that like you can just be like hey go kill that yeah. like and he, the fact that she tells him it's like I don't know. I, I think, I think she's like 
weirdly overconfident, but we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah, I have other questions, but let's keep going. Sure. So shadowy person clobbers Matt. He wakes up and hears, welcome to Falm. Uh, the Robert Jordan paradox, which is that you've read a word for a long time and pronounced it differently in your head. And then you now you hear it pronounced differently on the show. I was saying fall may in my head for four books the last two weeks. It's fall. It's fall. It's fall. We Absolutely. are not in France. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, you can tell what my second language was in college, right? Fall, fall may. <laughs> Say every single letter. And it's land fear. Da, da, da. And he says, who in the name of light are you? She says, I won't lie. I expected you to be more impressive. Still, uh, I love to be at a favor. I, I genuine question. I don't know. I don't think maybe any of us know. Maybe you guys do. I don't know. How, how does she know of him? How does she know of him enough to expect him to be impressive? What is her not background knowledge of Matt? Like, I have no idea. It's an interesting thing to ponder. Yep. I don't know. That is a little bit out of left field, given what we know about, like, what Lanfear knows. And also, like, Ishamel might have told her something, but he certainly doesn't have a high opinion of Matt. So could it have been could it, could it have been Rand in the end with Celine being like, my buddy Matt's real good with girls. <laughs> It's so good with girls. <laughs> I want to see this uh, now. Not, not, not like me. Uh, you know, Perrin yeah. and Matt, they, they have They the really, way, yeah. I think you know, that might be. Just what to say yeah. every time. <laughs> so she says. Uh, Maybe that's where it is. She, yeah. She confirms to him that he's very much awake. And he goes out to the balcony and he sees the ships. These are Sanchin ships, I think, right? And this yeah. is maybe the first time he figures out, holy shit, mm -hmm. there's a, I'm in a, a different, I'm in a different place. Hey, Dorothy. Because yep. she's moved him to Falm. She's taken him away from where he was before, which is Kydrin. Karhain. Yeah. And so now he's seeing all the Sanchez ships for the first time. Yep. Yep. Uh, can um, I just point out that this is the only time we have seen her wearing it thus far, but she is wearing a black jumpsuit that is, look out. I want in my wardrobe right now. She's wearing <laughs> pants and yep. they are attached to her top and she looks great. So I actually wanted to talk about this a little bit more because this sort of felt like an outfit out of time. And so I felt like this was maybe a remnant of the the second age that we're, mm -hmm. we're getting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, some of our other outfits, I think, are, are a little bit more she's playing a role. But yeah. this is more of like a, I have business to do. I'm wearing a... A business suit and getting shit done. Yes, this was she was dressing for comfort and efficiency here, and I'm all for it. I like the idea though that it might be a remnant from the Second Age because it does have that feel to it. Um, I think that's I and think it's that's very really much not of this age. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say like it. It feels like a better interpretation of where things will be sort of in our future. Um, than some of sort of the wacky stuff that we get in some sci-fi shows. Mm -hmm. But, you know, taken as a, you know, this is an iteration, like, that's bridging sort of the two, maybe. Yeah, I like that. It it definitely looks like something that would have been in that flashback scene from the finale of season mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll also say that in the books, the, Robert Jordan tells you uh, 7,500 times if he tells you once, that Lanfear is the most beautiful person in the world. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and the, 
and that holds true in the show. And I saw a really great tweet that explained it. And I wish I could credit the person, but I'm just going to just blithely steal their shit. Um, so the, it's not that Natasha O'Keefe is like much more beautiful than all the rest of the actresses on the show. The, the show is full of beautiful people. Well, and the show it's got she, a lot of crap for casting her as Lanvier, quite frankly. It's, it's she carries herself like she's the most beautiful person right. in the world. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. scene you're in, you get the sense that this person has supreme confidence and that is innately attractive. Like yeah. it's it, it and it makes sense, too, because it's like. Somebody who, like, I never really understood in the books when Robert Robert Jordan kept saying from every single person's character, they all kept saying that she was the most attractive person. I'm like, that's not how attraction works. Like, somebody's going to prefer Moraine or going to prefer Egwene. Like, but no, the reason that everybody has that same opinion of her and it, and it jumps kind of off the screen to them is how she carries herself. And that's exactly how this character does it. I thought that made, made a lot of sense it's, to me. It's that, not actually that, beauty, it's vibes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, exactly. vibes. Uh, just vibes. So th- that's actually a really interesting comment because also um, every person that talks about meeting like a supermodel in person mm-hmm. is like your eyes are drawn to them, and like it's a different thing. Like, yeah, yeah you've seen them. Like, yeah, you like you think you've met beautiful people, uh, but like it's it's different in person. Um, and and so I feel like this is sort of she embodies that on the show. It's yep. like seeing Victor Wimbanyana when you just see him walking around. I <laughs> got seven foot four. It's just crazy. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know what seven so, foot four you, was. It's like, ah, did y'all, where'd that spider get out of? Did y'all catch that somebody was making donuts in the next scene? Yep. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh. They're flipping donuts with chopsticks. That was somebody on set was eating good. So there you go. They're making donuts. So that was this, that's kind of the street there of, Falm and Elena and Nadine are wa- uh, walking around. Elaine doesn't understand why the people don't fight back. You know, uh, I, I love Elaine. I, I, I like, like, like show Elaine a lot, but I do think that's like the type of thing that like an entitled woman who, you know, is from a family that has like a military backing would say kind of ignorantly. I don't think it's like ill meaning. I think it's just something that she likely would say. I thought it was just great writing that she would ask that question. And I also think it's great that Nynaeve would sort of roll her eyes at it. You know, they don't have enough time for Nynaeve to like explain to her how stupid that, that comment was, but you can get the sense from Nynaeve. She's like, Oh, this bitch again. Like, you know, it, it was a great interaction to me. Um, so then Elaine kind of takes control and it's like, you're going to have to do what I say. And Nynaeve was like, mm, for like a second, uh, you know, like you could see it in her eyes. She's like, I'm going to do this for just a little while. And then you're going to hear from me. Uh, and then we uh, end that scene. So I think it's a fun uh, callback to last episode where uh, Elaine's just like, all right, well, you screwed up. Now let's go with somebody that's actually been a place other than like the backwater of nowhere. Uh, like, yeah, you're Damn. like two years older, but like, come on now. Shots fired, two rivers. <laughs> I mean, it's so yeah. backwater they haven't seen a tax man in, in decades. They don't even know I mean, they're part of Andor. I do think that's something that, like, in all parts of the story, book, show, every chapter, all books, it seems like everybody does not, that nobody properly leverages the fact that Elaine has this wealth of experience, you know, living the, a very different life. Like, that is something that you can harness mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're not thinking that way. Yeah. Um, then we get Damani training, which, uh, you know, I just hate. Uh, but anyway, Damani training. Anything <laughs> I want to say about that? <laughs> it's 
Demani, uh, not Demani. It's it's with an E. It's with an E. Yep. Yep. If it's with an I, that's a place. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, there, well, actually, also... it, it refers to the people of that place. Yeah. And, and yeah. so also, like, in when I was reading it, it was Domain the, the entire time. <laughs> like, I, the E, like, just never showed up. Um, but... Domani? Domani. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway. yeah, I... I it's good. I mean, we could just move on. Yeah, we can just move on. It's the, it's the Damani Combine. Yeah. Elaine has to has to jump, has to run the 40-yard dash. Yep. She's got to do knee highs and bench press. And she's going to show off how how well she's been trained. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cut she she gets some clicks. Okay. Yasika and Varen. Love Varen. Making small talk outside where the Amberlin is. Yasika hands Varen something. Cut to Ivan, Maxim, and Alana. Ivan's like, I don't trust this Varen Sedai. And he's going to follow Thomas, but Elena's like, no, we have our task, and the three of us need to stay together if there's a Forsaken in the city. A couple interesting things there. One, that Varen gets something handed to her, sort of sneakily, right? And that she's got her Varen things that she's doing. Also, the the constant sort of angst coming from Alana's camp, and the fact that Alana's seemingly aware there's a Forsaken in the city, or a high likelihood that there is one. Yep. Varen doing Varen things is... uh... Very appropriate. So there's apparently a book trilogy. Um, I can't remember offhand who it's written, where it's the same story written from different perspectives. Uh, I would love to have a trilogy mm. from Varen's perspective. Oh, yeah. Trilogy? Give me all 14 books from <laughs> Varen's perspective. Yeah, she, she's always kind of off in her own head and doing different stuff. I think at the one, the, like one of the first episodes of the season, I said something about like Varen just doing Varen shit. Cause she doesn't give a fuck. And you were like, yeah, hold on to that. Hold <laughs> on to the fact that Varen doesn't yep. give a fuck. That's a good, like, you, you specifically told me that thread to pull on. Uh, yeah. So Ivan um, goes not very far. Maxim's interested in Leandrin wants to know where she went. Cut to Leandrin. who's in house Demadrid. She stops and looks at a painting at Moraine. I'd say angrily. Couple, couple quick, quick cuts there. Then we cut to Moraine. Land walks out. Oh boy, here we go. This is like, uh, this is like when the the guy on Montel Williams when he's been talking for the first ten minutes of the show and they come back from the first commercial break and and then the girlfriend comes out and then all hell breaks loose. That's what's going on with these two. They are ready to fight it out. Um, so she's like, I don't think I don't know what you think you're going to gain from this. I've got nothing to say to you. And he's like, I've got a question for you, and I hope you'll forgive me one day for asking it. Were you still by a shame? After you were still by a shame, was there a time in all these months that you thought about ending it? And he's, he kind of goes on to say, like, you know, basically everybody, but like two women have always done it. And they always did it pretty fast. And Moraine, not just saying no, gets peppery with it. She's like, no, not just no, hell no. I, I, the most important thing in this world is protecting Rand. Helping him is the only thing that matters, which excited me on two fronts. One, I don't want Moraine to kill herself. I like the character. Two, love this allegiance to Rand. I'm all about that. <laughs> Anybody who's got a heavy allegiance to Rand, I'm falling in line. But Lan, the, the first hint that something was awry for me is when Lan smiled here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because fucker never smiles. And this is not a thing to, I mean, I guess maybe you could infer like he's thinking like, oh, I'm just so proud of you. But, like, Land's never that condescending to Moraine. No. I always thought something else was going on here. I would love to have a, like, little stitched together video of all of Land's sleuthing that he does around what actually happened to Moraine here. Because there are so many little moments when he is just poking and prodding and doing, asking the questions and doing the work. And it, like, mm-hmm. 
rarely registers in the moment when you're watching it. But then when when we start to get in the the midst of this whole episode and what he's doing here, it's like, oh, Lan has not believed this essentially from jump. Um, and he's been trying to poke holes in this and uh, unravel this from the very beginning. And it's kind of consistent because back in the the sort of summer getaway, the Eat, Pray, Love in the first couple episodes. <laughs> the Tuscan Villa. Lan, yeah. Lan asks Moraine, he's like, so wait a second. Tell me again. One person did it? And he, she's like, yes, it's a show. She like erupts mm-hmm. on him. Yes, it's a Shamayan. He's like, yeah, but y'all told me it took like 14 sisters or something. And she's like, yeah, but you're an idiot. And like, I, I, I. I bought into it at the time. I yeah. was like, yeah, he's just dumb. He just doesn't understand the power of the forsaken, but no, they, they made that consistent through the season. Oh, yeah. Land mm-hmm. decided it didn't pass the sniff test and he was going to figure it out. Uh, I also like that on this podcast, uh, BJ, uh, proclaimed, uh, as ferocious as he ever gets that, that land and Moraine had been done dirty this season. And I, I kind of felt like I, I was rooting for the season to punch back at that comment this episode. I feel like the, there was like a bit of, did you feel that BJ? Was there a bit of a comeback for these characters this, this episode? Yeah. Uh, there definitely was a comeback, but it's sort of one of those, like, again, uh, they made drama where it, it felt like a Fair dirty point. way to like, in like it felt like a way to have your stars on screen and have them uh, like, and, and have them acting across from each other. Um, because because of my book knowledge, I feel like if if I could turn that switch off, it would be a lot more compelling. I was going to say, uh, BJ, can I introduce you to the concept of filmography? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> also how TV works. To, well, to to the concept of uh, forgetting a book as soon as you read it and, and telling me how how good the prose is, and it's, it's like great. I don't remember the plot or the characters. Nothing like, else. It's it was fine. a fun read. I do. Yeah, this is a- this I is not say, one of those series you're going to forget the plot. I do wish they had done a little bit more to to tie this together for the audience of like, you know, maybe have one small scene where Lan is asking Varen, hey, can you tell me, like, do sisters always try to kill themselves after they get stilled? Or, you know, something where you're you're seeing him do the information gathering instead of just little Smart trickles comes, of putting yeah. it together. Because I do think that that would have made this, I think, a little bit stronger. And some of the stuff that he says at the end, especially on first watch through, I was like, oh, that doesn't quite flow for me. Um, and I think it's because I miss some of these smaller moments. So I, I, I think that having that that be a little bit more of a through line and Moraine being a little bit more like, I have to focus solely on this and I have to pay a lot more attention because I can't channel would have been a better wedge to drive between them because like the wedge that's driven between them, like is so counterproductive to what Moraine's trying to do. And like, or they could have made it more obvious that she's pushing him away because she doesn't want him to get killed or yeah. Or something like I, you know, I, I guess it's, She's so put together so often that that I think explaining it w- with some sort of reason rather than just drama would have put a better taste in my mouth. Yeah, see, I'll this is this. one of those things that we just ahead, we just fundamentally disagree on, BJ. And we've been back and forth on it a couple of times. But like for me, the extent to which we know how put together Moraine is and how um, disassembled that l- losing access to the one power has made her is is not just drama that's pure character arc and is a perfectly sufficient explanation for me for why she's pushing Lan away. That's great. Yeah. Fair enough. See, 
BJ, you gotta, you gotta not do like, so, all right, let's do this on the podcast. It's just me and you, like Brie and Sarah aren't listening anymore. Okay. Next time she says something you disagree with, don't say that's fine. Be like, no, no. but you're wrong. No. Like, dig, dig your heels in, man. Let's create some drama. Let's create no, some artificial like, drama. Artificial drama. Yeah. Yeah. Right drama. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll like, do ourselves dirty here. Like, you're wrong. It, I disagree, but I think that that's great that, 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 that worked. That's great. No, like it. <laughs> good for you. I'm just gonna unplug your head. <laughs> 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 on the head. I'll say this though. So like, glad I, you have your own thoughts. <laughs> I uh, I feel like a kinship with Moraine though, because like um, while you know, like obviously, like I'm like a very different person than the character of Moraine. Like we do have one thing in common, which is that like neither one of us really love the concept of people seeing us off kilter. A lot of pride. Like, I like I. <laughs> I always like to look like I got things under control and that like I'm put together and that like it's all go with the flow. And like, I don't even like in casual conversation when I trip words up and people call me out on it. Like I shit annoys the hell out of me. So like I can totally see somebody with that gene when something so fundamental gets stripped from you. And there's this like glaring weakness that you just, you're just flailing, kicking everybody away. You're not yourself. Um, all of that did really work for me. Um, I'm kind of with Sarah on that. But I, yeah. I, I believed that she would be unreasonable toward Lan. And the Amarillan. I also believed that Lan. Sorry. I also believed that Lan would be like not hearing it. I also believed that he would go, "Okay, yeah, I hear you, but I'm going to keep being loyal." Yeah. And the Amarillan calls I, her out on that pride later too, yeah. um, in ways that yeah, I think yeah. really align with with this conversation. Yeah. So. In this conversation with Land and Moraine, Land drops a line. I only, I'm only saying quotes that I feel like could be nominees for best quote or best scene in the episode. <laughs> this is one. You have to trust someone at some point, Moraine. You can't do this by yourself. You can't. And if it's not going to be me, then I thought it might as might as well be her. How about Jeff your Hulls lover of 20 fantastic. years? Fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. She gives him a very interesting look at that, which um, the, the, the look that the looks that she gives him her. When you're reading the script, you're like, damn, Moraine hates Land all of a sudden. But when you see her, you're like, oh, no, she doesn't really hate him. She's just saying shit. Yeah. Because uh, the, the look <laughs> the look had a lot of affection in it. So I would nominate that as the line that made it into the scripts that needs to be said over and over to Rafe. Uh, because that's like the the fundamentals of the series, basically. And, you know, right. we get you it can't sometime. do it by yourself. We get it. <laughs> we don't get it other times. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then we have this conversation with uh, Swan and Rand, and she says she's not going to Gentleman. Thank God. Thank the fucking Lord. All right. So that's off the table. She's not interested in doing that, but she is interested in using him like a tool. Right. And she he's like, I'm not going to be just I'm tired of being some spoke on the wheel. And she's like, you're not a spoke on the wheel. And I was like, if she says you're going to break the wheel. I'm going to lose my shit here. <laughs> Game of Thrones crossover. She did not. She says, uh, you're the water that rushes along or breaks the whole thing. And then she says, basically, we're going to use you like a weapon, not a general in the war, but a weapon. And then he's like, he kind of bucks up to her. And I hated this part. I fucking hated it. Where she could throw so casually uh, uh, a weave over him and stop him. I am not opposed to the concept that ran is new to this and he's not able to like block a weave on command right or that it takes him a minute to get uh side sidar right um uh that it takes him a minute to find it 
My problem is that she could hold it there so easily. My understanding of Rand is that he's the most powerful fucking thing in the world. You would think if he was bucking at her, it would at least be difficult for her to handle. I didn't like that part of it. But everything else. I'm not sure. That's a really fair point, Lee. And I think that that is completely valid and probably something that BJ is going to echo. But I will say, I'm not sure we actually see Rand fight the shield. Like, I... You know how Loghain, like, we could tell he was fighting the shield. I don't know that we see that from Rand. He might Mm -hmm. just, like, literally not have an idea of how to do it. And maybe that's also part of it. Like, he just doesn't know how to react when he's shielded. And so we don't get him bucking the, the shield. Which, if he doesn't, that that in itself doesn't make any sense, right? I don't understand why he wouldn't, because he was just ready to flare up at her a second ago. So it, it, I guess maybe he doesn't, doesn't know how to, but, like, I don't know. It's just like, you're telling me that he's the, the most powerful thing cheaper. in the world. I understand he's got to learn. But at some point, they need to show us the raw power. Like, yeah. I, that's important to see. And I think they've been skimpy on that so far. Yeah, I, I think it becomes, it could become a problem of showing his power in relation to like things that have happened and then then everybody be like all right well like when you have a nuke like what does everything else matter kind of deal but i maybe like if they do enough to show that he's inexperienced but like they haven't shown that he's inexperienced with channeling or not particularly good with it other than like the weird uh snake knife that we get in the end of this episode but even that like it looked like he was just being careful as opposed to like yeah, that he that didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, like a, a surgeon's knife. Yeah, yeah. it's Sidine is the yeah. male, male half. I screwed that up. Um, uh, look at me. I'm talking about being a book expert. <laughs> and I screwed that basic thing up. So, you know, it. I think it's they don't want to show his power because then like. Where do you go from then, there? Then you have to have sort of power creep of everything and, and like it gets a little bit of out of hand. But I, I very much agree with you. In that, um, you know, it, and I try and avoid making all these criticisms all the time, but, you know, it, hopefully it's at least good for the pod, is one of the, the downfalls of the show so far is that they've been playing kind of fast and loose with how the magic works. And mm-hmm. this, the, this series is a little bit more on the harder magic side than certain other uh, series and... and uh, you know, pieces of media like Harry Potter, which is a lot more squidgy mm-hmm. with the magic. And it works for Harry Potter that the magic is squidgy. Like, it, it, there are reasons for it, and it doesn't need to be defined. But, like, with how uh, intricate the uh, Sidar and Sidin and, like, how they interact with each other, how, you know, the individual weaves interact, how people interact with each other, making these changes is very complicated for where they're going with things. And so I, I think that, you know, you your complaint with this, and, you know, Sarah, I'm sort of curious, like, how you felt about this interaction and, you know, where Rand is makes things tougher for them in the future. I think that there are reasons that they did it, but it's, it's, a, it's a stumbling block that I feel that they have to overcome now. Yeah, and I can say that, like, from my perspective, just watching it, it didn't strike me as weird. Um, but listening to this conversation, it certainly does. It does more. Um, but I mean, you know, I my 
because I'll tell you what did actually strike me as more weird was Rand actually being able to on command summon the power and make the little knife thing to cut through the weave later. Oh, absolutely. Because like my impression of what Rand can do at this point is that like, I don't know, sometimes he happens to touch, tap into the power and does powerful things with it, but he has no idea what he's doing. Um, can't control it. And sometimes he channels in his sleep. Yes. Randomly. Um, and so in that... If you think he was sleeping. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he wasn't sleeping then. Well, in, <laughs> he's thinking about something. In my head, this made more sense from my understanding of what Rand knows and can do at this yeah. point than the end of the episode. But y'all have given me some things to noodle on to. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's... The this makes sense for Rand as not being particularly powerful. Yeah. And I, I think that they still haven't really shown that Rand's more powerful than the Nynaeve. Yes. They have and not. Other than being like, you know, he's he's the dragon, he's and, he's all the things. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and that's annoying because he, he, he very much is, like factors more mm-hmm. and they don't make it seem that way. One thing though is that the parallel with the you know, because the other most powerful person we see in the show is Nynaeve. Nynaeve touches the power when she's scared or, or not, not scared, angry. Yeah. Or if she's wanting, to, you know, if she feels like people are in danger or harm. I kind of like the concept. I hope they go with it. That Rand was able to do this thing at the end of the episode with Moraine because he cares about her. And it, it, was, it was a way to try to save her. And that was how he was able to do it so quickly. I hope they go that way. One thing in this conversation is Swan says a single ice. I when she throws the you know, dead on him. She says a single ice that I can handle you like a bait fish. Now, she says a couple of these in the show. She says a million of them in the book. These little weird fish sayings that like a fisherman would say. From and, here. Um, mm-hmm. I know this without, I, I know this without knowing it. I know this without a shadow of a doubt, although I don't know it, is that Robert Jordan grew up in Charleston and just knew an old guy who was a fisherman. <laughs> he just knew an old guy who was a fisherman and just used every single one of that guy's sayings for fucking for Swan Sancho. I'm sure of that as anything even That is now canon. It. I like it. Yep. yep. Back to Egwene and the Damani testing. Um, so guess what? Uh, Egwene can jump really high and run really far. She does great <laughs> in the combine. She blows everybody away. Literally. It also felt yep. like, I mean, she was obviously, obviously she doesn't want to, she's going through all the things um, and deep in her feelings and trying to survive here. There is a moment after this sort of trial uh, when it looks like it, Egwene was glad to get some of that energy out, I think. Um, that that felt good to her. Not so the situation think, she's in or anything yeah, like that, right. but like that be, that doing the power feels good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we talked about this in a previous episode, and I just want to bring it up because you're talking about like how she looks and feels um, that, uh, and and this is sort of uh, count, like the, the opposite side of this is Moraine, which is like channeling the one power is addictive. Mm. Like it, it's... <gasps> everything so good <laughs> yes e- everything is brighter and clearer mm. and uh Just better yeah and, and and so you know this is one of the big reasons that Isidai kill themselves if they're uh stilled got it and so uh i think that there is part part of that is like she just got to channel a whole bunch of with the one power the other thing is one of the big hurdles that Egwene has had is that everybody fawns over Nynaeve and she just got shown that mm-hmm. she's 
the most powerful one, like in this group at least, and she's being compared to a sitter of the blue Asha. Mm-hmm. She was one of the other Damane that was in this training circle. And so I don't remember if she was the one that went right beforehand, but like, no. Uh, oh no, that's the little girl with the, the braids. But yeah. like, you know, this was a, she's being shown as being powerful finally. Mm-hmm. And boy, it must be great. Yeah, she's we did. I forgot off. that I we had talked great. about that with um, what's her face talking to her about like, I, I hope everybody at, um, the tower was telling you how special you are. And like, of course no one's telling her how special she is. Right. I did like one part of the scene is the little thing about, uh, Rena allowing her to keep her name. Mm -hmm. You can see that the, the, uh, the trainer. Yeah. I was trying to come up with the dare. Um, anyway, she's clearly like not maybe super pleased that Rena let, Mm-hmm. Egwene keep her name and and I think that's just like yeah. a fun little characterization right like we barely see this actress and we get a whole lot of opinions from her um, yep. in that short little skit mm-hmm. Egwene is a is a bad Damane Pori, who is? Pori wow. is a good Damane <laughs> that was pretty who, bad who, here <laughs> who is a bad who is a bad one what's her name Egwene Egwene is there we go. <laughs> Pori. Pori, Pori is a good, is good one, one. <laughs> yeah uh, cut to my guy in all caps in my notes. Loyal. Shout out to Loyal <laughs> making an appearance. All I have for this up? scene is Loyal with an exclamation point, Lee. I just want to <laughs> tell you. Loyal fucking rules. I love him. And I love his interaction with Elaine. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely fantastic. He gets there and he, he, pray, he pays the proper respect to the daughter of Andor as one would, as one should. Why? Because he's a learned man. He's a man of manners. He knows his shit. He does not vomit manners. He knows, in fact, the order in which manners are supposed to emerge. Yes. And he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. (laughs) Adelaine clearly loves it. And Nynaeve says, get up. Don't encourage her. (laughs) Which is a little bit funny. Nynaeve is like, I'm not having any of this. I know, but if if I was Elaine, I'd be like, encourage me like i really am the daughter i'm not pretending right. yeah. to be this the is daughter. quite literally who i am um, encourage me the other thing that that i like is that um we get that loyal introduces himself formally all the time <laughs> and it drives Nynaeve nuts and mm-hmm. like the the back and forth <laughs> and call and response are just so frustrating. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's who yeah, you her are. Yeah, in your ears. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Let, let's get going. Nynaeve is not long on patience. No, no I'd not. say not. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great it's a great pairing, Nynaeve and Loyal. I hope we get more of that because, <laughs> like, Loyal's just got he's always gonna do. He's got like you know what he has. He's like a he's like a, this may not mean much to people in the car. He's like a wrestler who always gets their shit in. It's like, you know, if you're watching a Stone Cold match, he's going to stomp the person. He's going to flick him off. He's going to do the jump and the punch in the head. Like, there's a couple of Stone Cold moves. It doesn't matter what the match is. He's going to get his shit in. doesn't matter what the situation. They're literally in the middle of a fucking war. And Loyal's <laughs> like, I'm going to get my stuff in. Like, I got, I got some beats to hit here, and I'm going to hit them. Uh, fucking love Loyal. He's the best. Uh, he also gives us some intel on the Sanchin, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, and Loy- Elaine calls him a builder as he leaves, which is obviously meant to be a term of respect. He bows low to her, even though Nynaeve is sitting there scoffing. But he does, uh, Nynaeve does promise to get him out too. Um, and it, it, you know, I think that like my patience for Nynaeve is probably maybe higher than yours, BJ. I think maybe a little bit because um, 
while she can be pretty insufferable, she does seem to really genuinely care about everybody around her. Like in this scene, like before she wouldn't let Loyal go without saying, I'm going to get, I'm going to help you too. Like, trust yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Which um, I like. My frustration is that she's uh, not always effective. She's, she, you I know, think that's she, her frustration too. I think too. she's pretty <laughs> <damn> <laughs> ineffective. And I think that's part of the thing she has to learn. That's funny. Uh, all right, cool. Cut to Shamael who is whittling, which Shamael whittling is hilarious. It's, uh, I don't know. What is it like? It, I, it, you know, it's like somebody using, uh, like somebody, uh, sorry, uh, Bree, somebody like riding a horse now instead of like, you know, getting in a car. It's like, dude, like you could fucking very easily, like you, this whittling is very, you just clearly something you're doing because it's a stress reliever for you. Like you can, you can move the earth. So I but think he was anyway. actually like shaving bits off to make the tea. Yeah, that was. But Matt thinks, thinks he's whittling. Is... Yeah, yeah, but he still doesn't have to do it with a knife, right? Like he's sitting there like a sure he can regular just, like, Joe. <laughs> little fine yeah. bit of air and just yeah, <laughs> take sure. off a few. Um, so so that was my impression too. I also there are a couple of other things. One that Matt doesn't know what whittling looks like is I'm here for it. It, it it's right for the, for for who Matt is and everything else. It's right I don't for know who what, Matt I don't know what whittling's show. like either. Yeah, well, it doesn't look like that. Um, I thought it was whittling too. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. So the other thing that I thought was interesting, and I don't know whether this is true, is that uh, like the the knife looked like a fairly nice knife. Like it was like a, a more bespoke piece, and I sort of wonder if it's something. Uh, that we we get more we might get more information at some point, but like that Ishmael either had created for him or found something of his because like they're getting this clothing somewhere. Like this is this is not normal clothing for the age, and so this feels like something that he might have carried back in the day. BJ, you using the word bespoke there has me sort of rolling on the floor right now because I'm just imagining hipster Ishamael and it completely works for me. <laughs> I just Wait, imagine... Is he that, not hipster? He is! He's brewing he his is. own tea. Like, okay, no, but he absolutely just, bought that tea in like a little shop up the street from us in Asheville that will... It, it, was, not, it, it was not prepared tea. He, he, he bought the, uh, know, yeah. the, the raw <laughs> ingredients. Yeah, and I'm going to... I'm After we're done here, I'm going to head up there and... Maybe he made that. Frolic in my past he, lives know, he, for a he's, while. He's got to do careful things with the poo air to, to really get like the right amount <laughs> off and bloom it. And he, mm-hmm. he's got a time. He's got he's got a tea timer for exactly how long it should steep. Like the, the, oh, he's got is, multiple tea timers for different types of tea because they steep yeah. at different times. Exactly. I mean, I he has sure. had how many thousands of years to optimize all of these things? He's got he's gotten a season. Like he just broke <laughs> out anyway. No, well, but before that, right? Like, sure. <laughs> he's been around for a while. I was just fairly sure what BJ said that, that like, Ashamael got that knife in like a monthly subscription box. Yeah. <laughs> Bespoke uh, post. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bespoke post. We will do ads for you. Give me a call. Got you. See how he worked that in so naturally? Uh, all right. So, anyway, he gives him a tea, right? And uh, the interesting part to me is that Matt's kind of like, what kind of tea are you talking about, bro? What's that tea? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested. Um, so anyway, he, he, Shamael seems fairly confident that Matt will drink the tea. And he also references Matt's past lives. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. He talks about, you know, you're going to see all the lives and you're going to see who you really are, what your soul is. Right. 
Uh, I love the melancholy of a Shamael. I think it's, you know, I like to call out when something in the book is better than the show. This, this character of a Shamael in the show works better for me than the one in the books. Uh, this, this, this strange melancholy and this humanity to him, it works, works well for me. I'm, I find it compelling. Anyway, anything else on that scene? I was trying to remember, and Sarah, you're probably the best person on the pod for this. Does Matt know anything about anybody? What do you mean? Like, does Matt know who this it knows any who this is? Like, what's going on? Um, well, yeah, because Rand told him in that conversation right before Matt split on him last episode. Right, that that I let Ashamael out, but like, does Ashamel, he know who I don't Ashamel think Ashamel is or looks like? Does I don't well, think Ashamael introduces himself. He's like, look, dude, he's got the fancy clothes. He's got the bespoke <laughs> knife. Like, I mean, he's, he, that's probably how he, he explained it. So, some so random dude in a fancy leather vest. He stands out. It's just like, I. You're going to think he's whittling. You. He's not and whittling. Dr- They're drugs. The most eyes you've ever seen. <laughs> he, he's, he's an ayahuasca shaman, and Matt's here for it. Matt's I, think it's, I think it's a fair point from you, BJ, that like Matt really comes to this with like no knowledge of all this stuff. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's not like he like has memorized the names of all the forsaken and yeah like, you know is is learned in all of this he's kind of go learned on the fly seemingly. yeah yeah and it it just it's a i really like this scene as long as i don't go like well what's what's matt doing like why, why is matt like listening to like what is going on in his head and he's just like all right well i guess i'm gonna drink the tea this makes sense this man's talking reason and it's just like okay well i guess actually that that helps me because the way I was thinking about it, like I was a little bit confused about why Matt would be so interested in drinking this tea that is from a Forsaken's hand. But if he has no clue who this dude is and is just presented (laughs) with this kind of compelling argument to try this crazy tea, I think he'd be way more tempted than a a Forsaken doing the same thing yeah it's pretty boneheaded any way you look at it it's either it's either one of the most evil beings that's ever existed or a complete fucking stranger or a complete fucking stranger who's like take this shit and you're gonna be whacked out of your head i'm gonna tell you that's never a good idea i mean so i do like that that it starts out with matt going you know is this a sex thing or a murder thing because can we just skip to the end i mean but also like matt's thinks that this is what it is and some dude just says nah but take these drugs i mean it, it's i don't know it's hilarious yeah yeah i don't know this show matt is an interesting character i'm still kind of wrapping my head around him um, because this was an, this is a bold move drinking the tea was a bold mm-hmm. move yep but um, as you can see like he does not wait he's like on it as soon as it's ready he like there's like he has a little bit of hesitation but he really just goes for it I mean, he was told that you have to drink it, like as soon as the timer's. No in. more. This, yeah. The, right, no the more. barista That's told true. you that this is how to best consume. <laughs> there is a series. I think of, it was uh, interesting that Ashamel uh, said the first time I took this. So, like, yeah. how many times has Ashamel had this tea? Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. You no, there. There is a series of Instagram reels that is about sort of like a, a point of view. I am talking to the barista who is so compelling that they could get me to eat butter. And it really has vibes of, of this. <laughs> sort of like, okay, well, I don't know. What you crazy person who have excellent taste in fashion, what am I supposed to do here? I'm going to follow it. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Avienda and Perrin. This Avienda character 
I, I don't know what's going on here. I think it's a mishmash. I think there's stuff going on. Um, it's not e- it's not easy to tell what's going on with this character. It's not easy. As the French would say, facile. It's not easy. It's not easy to tell what's going on with Avienda. But anyway, Perrin sees another Aiel, another spear wife. They use the hand signals. Take me to Jolene. Is that right? Jolene? Jolene? Jolene, isn't it? Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> Jolene. Yeah. Says Avienda. So we meet Jolene. And there's a grave there. One of them died. I think I don't, I don't know the French word for died. It's the one who died. Jolene's dead. Jolene, Jolene. Jolene took the man and was murdered for it. Uh, life is a dream from which we all must wake again. Hey, that's like an Aiel saying from the book, right? Life is a dream sure that we all yep. must wake again. I like that. They walk over away from Perrin, take off their weapons, and two of them commence to beating the high, ever-living shit out of Avienda. Uh, Maybe uh, uh, Hopper does not like that at all. Hopper starts barking. Perrin doesn't. Perrin starts to do something, and he's basically told, <laughs> you going to need to sit back down, Perrin. <laughs> and he does. Uh, I will say that in the middle of this fight scene, there's a Superman punch, a la shout out Roman Reigns. <laughs> um, there is absolutely a Superman punch in the middle of this thing. I love when they like throw a little WWE move in these fight sure. scenes and shows. It makes me happy. <laughs> Hopper just barking away. So there's that scene. Yep. I will yep, say that scene. Perrin is obviously often confused um, about a great many things. <laughs> You have no idea how right you okay. are. Okay. But no, right. I guess in this scene, we're all as confused as Perrin. No, I just, like, I don't think anything confuses him more than these IEO women. You know, right. Matt, you Matt know, and Rand are much and Rand better. Yeah, much better. All right. I, look, I got to, first of all, the IEO women confuse everybody. <laughs> IEO women are very confused. Uh, they have a game they'd like to play with you. And they're very strange. And... I am not here for all the Perrin slander. I think that Perrin in the in the show has gotten much more interesting this season. Yep. I find him compelling as all get out in the books. I, I recognize him only at season or episode f- or book four, but like, <laughs> like I mean, I I like this Perrin character, and there is so much slander of Perrin. It's like he's like the online meme of the show of like Perrin sucks, and I'm like, really? Like, I not, I like, love Perrin. I, I find him great. I love Perrin. He is, however, easy to make fun of. Yeah, I guess so. I like him though. I'm 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 gonna I'm kind of like tra- this is like training wheels for parent defense lawyer because I feel like I'm gonna need to be that in later seasons. <laughs> so I'm trying to I'm trying kind of trying it on see how it fits. So Matt does indeed drink the tea quite quick and like anyone who's taken an edible he immediately <laughs> thinks it doesn't work right before it works. I have this in my notes. Exactly He's like 20 minutes in and not feeling it, and so eats the other half, and you're like, oh boy, dude. <laughs> Yeah, same thing. Everybody always does it with anything they're in, any drug they're ingesting. Like, this shit isn't working anyway. Why do you have three heads? And he uh, he sees his mom, who's calling him a prick, like him. I assume that's like his dad because we yeah. got that in the fir- very first episode that Matt's dad was a womanizer who embarrassed the mother, and the mother became kind of like a sick alcoholic, uh, in sort of grieving that relationship. She tells him he's always been rotten. He sees himself hanging. We see him killing some people in the mirror. Uh, multiple versions of Matt seem to be killing people, but he also is, is is hanging there dead. And then we see him like look to his mother and say, just like me in a completely out of place and over the top horror style scene that I just did not understand why they shot it that way. It was very confusing to me. I don't know. I have a tough time with this scene. I did not like it. Yeah. It, it's out of place. It's like, if you're going to do horror, at least like, you know, do it like this. They just do it in the middle of a random fantasy show. I think that the possibility I can imagine for what this tea is and what they showed was 
things that happened or things that sort of adjacently happened in the books and but it's a weird look um and the whole like mother interaction thing just isn't a thing so like i exist i don't know i have no idea what they were i don't even know what they were going for here like what was what was the goal what was the shamel's goal what what did they show yeah i I mean i'm sort of with you here that like i don't don't know. know And I just, like, like, I don't understand the heavy emphasis on his mother and, like, that interaction. And it's like, yeah, we know that that obviously is going to be scarring for someone to have your mother thinking so poorly of you and to have all of those family problems. But, like, that's not what Ishmael promised with the tea. He promised that you'd see a thousand lies. the betrayer of hope and the father of lies, or the prince of lies. So, like, that could be a... maybe. He intentionally gave Matt a bad trip to reinforce, like, his depression and mm-hmm. low... Low self-esteem. And, and self-image, I guess. To but make like, the argument that he makes later. Yeah, but I also... Could, I could kind of get behind that. That yeah. it's not actually the promised tea, that it is... That, that it is something... I mean, I, I imagine that this is the fork root of the show world. Ugh. Um, but, I mean, like, but Matt's already there. Like, you know, without any... Be- like the, Right, I don't he's know, already the... left everyone behind. He deserted Rand again. Like, he feels like crap about this. I'm the... not sure that you have to push him much yeah. farther. The T seems a weird way to go about it when he could just be doing it in the dream world. This felt like it was supposed to be a Shamel actually doing it and showing him how terrible, like, his lives were. But, like, that's not what we got. Right. So maybe he just had a bad trip. Like, I don't know. It seemed like a cheap use of a jump scare. And it wasn't interesting. This yeah. was a this had been a wonderful time for Matt to start speaking different languages. Like we could have gotten that. Like there's so many things they could have done right. here that have been more interesting mm-hmm. than just fucking random ass jump scare like in the middle yep. of the show. And I was uh, so excited yeah. for this too, um, with the mirror that he has there. Like I thought mm-hmm. that there would be like other selves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, sucks. So cut to Moraine who walks in the room, tells Swan, "Release him!" With all the gusto of someone who you know, has absolutely nothing behind it. Like I, I, de- I demand you do this. You know, this is, this is, this is like my cat, you know, just screaming at me impotently, you know, you will do this human. And you know, she's like, no, like she literally just looks at Moraine and just says, no. Uh, and then she says, we tried our way, Moraine. We lost everything. Tower laws have stood for over 3000 years. It's time we followed them. And this is, you know, unless you want to cook up some sort of conspiracy theory about Swan, which, you know, wheel time fans have done a lot of since this episode has aired this seems to be her her stance which is we kind of went off script it's time to get back on script because you know you i can't trust you you fucked everything up you you know you risked everything which is the dragon reborn because of your pride and because you know in swan's mind here it seems that she views Moraine as like relatively powerless at this point. She can't do anything. And she should have the second she was stilled, if not even before that, you know, alerted all of the people that could, who could potentially be her ally, but her pride, she thinks Swan seems to think that Moraine did not do that because of her pride of not wanting to tell people she was stilled, not that she couldn't trust people or that she, you know, wasn't sure of the timeline or where Rand was at, or if Rand would trust them. I mean, there's a million good reasons for why Moraine wouldn't have brought people into the circle of trust, but she has really projected onto her that it's just Moraine's pride is the reason that she's kept, kept silent about Rand. Yep. Anything else? 
I don't like it when I talk a lot and everybody gets quiet. Cause then I feel like I'm like, I said too much. Yeah. I, I, I think it's much more. Did uh, you say yeah? Brie? <laughs> no, it, it was a, it was a, there are some scenes that are just like, they just don't have a much significance for me. Yeah. Like yeah. they're just kind of carrying story. The, the sure. other side of it is, I think that there's, it, it is hard to talk about this scene without a lot of book stuff and spoiler stuff. Yeah. So, this is just a, a scene that is progressing. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to Rand, who is now being shielded by Leanne. So not only can fucking Swan shield him, Leanne can shield the dragon reborn just on a Tuesday. No problem. And, uh, you know, Rand comes in and she's none, none too happy about this whole situation. But she asks Rand like, where, by the way, where were you going? And he says, uh, Falm because it's pronounced Falm Rand. That's why that's a, a direct quote from Rand. I'd like to nominate that for line of the episode, please. <laughs> Falm. Well, that, that actually is the tone that book Rand uses with her. Yep. Falm bitch. That's why he, man, he talks to her rough in the show or in the book. And then he says he was going there cause Egwene's there and she's in trouble. And he like, what I like about this is Rin's like, yeah, like he, he basically admits that land and Moraine pieces together. The land fear is the one that showed him that Egwene was in foam. And he's like, I'm fairly certain that I'm being led to foam. Right. I, I, I can feel that, but I'm going to go anyway. Like I, that's how much I care about my friends. That's how much I have this like duty. I'm going to do it anyway. And Moraine looks back at Leanne sort of pissed, right? Mm-hmm. Duty Anything is else? heavier than a mountain. Death is lighter than a feather. I would like to just point Poor out Rand. that Rand has gotten a lot smarter uh, since we first met him. He's gotten a glow up. He's gotten a glow yeah, up and he's gotten I, smarter. His hair looks like shit, though. Uh, Matt and I agree on this one. <laughs> Hopefully that'll get grown out soon because, yeah, it looks a little rough. Yeah. it had, I mean, he's he's Luke Skywalker of the story. At some point, you know, he was going to, you know what I'm saying? This, yeah. this is coming, right? And I feel like we're, we're in for probably a couple more jumps, too. Oh, like, I hope we'll, so. Yeah. I think we'll be like going into season seven and then all of a sudden Rand is like, you know, God, like Indian style, you know, <laughs> meditating for seven straight days, you know, and causing all the weather and just controlling everything. I hope we get those jumps. That's what I'm excited about. Um, I, I mean, to be fair, he did spend a hell of a lot of time with one of the most learned people on this world. So she might have imparted some knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm she sorry. has, like, essentially taught him how to think a little bit. <laughs> man, my disrespect for Moraine is way too high. I got to get my myself in check. You were saying that, and I was like, man, you're speaking highly of Loghain. I was <laughs> talking about Lanvir. No, Lanvir. 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 Wait a second. You think Lanvir is more learned than Moraine? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's why I didn't connect it, because she wasn't being Lanvir, and she wasn't really dropping Lanvir knowledge on him. She was being like... Oh my God, I don't know what's going on, Celine. Well, she probably wasn't dropping like second age knowledge or, or channeling knowledge, but like, but like she probably is just like, thinking? oh my God, I'm in love with this dude and he's a fucking idiot. And <laughs> I can just like help out with that for a little bit. And it's like, hey, mate, have you thought about it this way? And he's like, oh, thinking. That's a, that's a good idea. That's a thing Maybe I could do. Confusion. Maybe our confusion about who you were talking about in that sentence is like indicative of why he's made this jump. He has spent time around Lanfear, Moraine, and Loghain. Like all three do have a lot to teach him. That's fair. Literally, everybody but has seized something to teach him. <laughs> he he except, has a lot of learning it, to do. Except Perrin. See, look, now I'm making the joke. Um, See, it's easy, right? Matt, it is kind of <laughs> easy. Leanne 
is this is going to shock everybody, but Leanne is being a tad rude at tea. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she, she's really pissed about this Moraine picture. She cannot stand that thing being there. Um, she said, and then she, uh, Barthanis dismisses Anavir, and I thought, uh oh, what is happening here? He talked a little strong to his mother. We haven't seen that side of him before, but I did not quite expect this. Leandrin drops the bomb. I got an order. Here's your order. What our master asks of you. Ah! So anyway, they talk about that. And um, remove her from the board. She's my aunt. They, they kind of go back and forth. So the, the order is from the from the dark one, I guess, or the Shamael, or whoever the hell Leandrin's serving, to Barthanus, who in this story, in the, in the show version, my understanding of Barthanus is that he is going to be king. He is not married yet. He's not king yet in the show. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you're correct. That's right. All right. Anyway. So, like, Leandrin's like, kill Moraine. Now, my brain is like, I don't know if that was like a real order if Leandrin threw that one in. That might have been a Leandrin order. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can tell Barthanus doesn't want to do it. But that's, you know, one of the cooler things about this story is that, and I, I love this kind of twist on a, a normal kind of trope in fantasy, which is when people turn to the dark, when they go to the dark one, when they become evil, in this story, that doesn't mean that they're like a zombie evil person. They, they still have reservations. They still remember, you know, all the stuff they cared and loved before they said their dark one oaths. Like that dynamic is super interesting. You can see it playing out here with Barthanis and you can see it in the later scene when he thinks he's about to kill Moraine. And everybody and has to, like very specific personal reasons that they did it too, which we see with Barthanis right. and we've seen with Leandrin as well. Uh, and also to your point, Lee, like... Sometimes you can be a petty bitch still and you have orders, but they probably didn't include anything about Moraine. And that might have been that was very likely well before she was dark. So I actually think that her orders might have actually been to get rid of Moraine because I think she's now serving Lanvir. And we know Lanvir does not like Moraine. Just ding, 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 ding. And she'd be real Three happy wins. to get him got off it. or get That's her a- off the board. That's a winner comment because I was not remembering that scene with Lanfear and Leandrin over the sun. That is a that is a really good point. And then like at the end of the episode, we'll get there. But like Lanfear is like basically created hell on earth. She's like saving the chosen one, and she's still like, can we please kill this bitch? Like she is, she's super petty. <laughs> yeah, about she's Moraine. like, what? What? Can, can she just go away? Like, what is this? It's like I, we already talked about this. You're not she allowed really to see other women. Really like Moraine. <laughs> Doesn't like Moraine at all. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. So anyway, we see that Anavir was listening to the whole thing. So that's kind of an interesting angle mm-hmm. there. I love Matt this little up. listening hole that she has in her house too. That's I just want to point that out. That's real cool. Very submarine. Mm-hmm. I would like to point something. I'm trying to go a little bit faster in the recap, but like I, I do want to point something out about the scene, which is that like he said like this, th- there's a little line in here that I think probably uh, was really effective. I mean, this whole thing is affecting for Anavir. But there was a line he said, oh, no, it's not quite yet. All right, we'll get there later. Sorry, we'll get there later. But when he when he talks about, like, why do you think we moved up so fast? Mm-hmm. And remember when Anavir mm-hmm. is talking to Moraine and is like, we moved up so fast because I'm so good at playing the game of houses or whatever. Like, you know, there's a there's a little dissonance yeah. there, uh, from probably yeah. from Moraine about what the events that have occurred. Do you remember what the name of this episode is? Yeah, the game of houses, right? Yep. Dice de Mar. Yeah. <laughs> so I, shout out that they, you know. Who's playing it best? Landfear. Always in the show, always Landfear. Yep. <laughs> <That's the answer. laughs> 
yeah, anyway, cut to Matt, who's waking up from his trip, and Shamael is waking him up. And he, Shamael says this, these lines, and it's just, I, I don't, I, I honestly, like, we joke around a lot about, like, I, lo- I love Lanfear and I love Shamael, but, like, I don't know, really know how to take these lines, because if you tell them to me in a vacuum, I, th- I might think this guy is not a bad guy. He says, you see it, don't you? We keep living these lives over and over again. The wheel turns and the people are hurt. It's a simple fact. And even with the freedom of death, we just come back again and again. And all I want is to just close my eyes one day and never have to open them again. BJ, you and I have kind of like gone back and forth on this podcast about like, does a Shamael want to break the wheel for everyone or just himself? But he kind of is phrasing it here as like, everyone's in pain from this constant cyclical rebirth. If I break the wheel, I'm doing, I'm doing everybody like a, I'm, I'm, okay. it's a, um, yeah, it's like a, a sympathetic or, or kind thing to do to everyone because they're all in pain. Yeah. Um, so I'm not... I, the way they present him, I don't really know what to think of him. And I yeah. feel Euthanasia like for everyone. I yeah. feel like he ha- he really. I feel like this is one of the the more personal moments we get with Ishamael, where he is like really speaking his his truth. And I think that it's because he thinks that he has found in Matt like the right person, the right conversation fit with the right person. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure a that he's wrong. Soul. Yeah, yeah. So I now. The, like, the more we talk about it, it makes me think about the tea differently, which is maybe Ishmael thought that's what he was giving Matt. And also, that's what he's been taking. They thought this tea lets you see into your past lives and, and things like that. But essentially, what it's just showing you is all the terrible stuff like in your life and other bad things that could have happened. It's basically just giving you like possible the worst threads elements. of it. Yeah, mm. like of worst mm-hmm. elements and anxiety and like uh it's basically the tea of intrusive thoughts. And it's not showing him past lives, but it's a cocaine high at five AM. It's like every every uh, this is terrible. Everything's gone bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's what he's been basing what he like he thinks that he has knowledge that he doesn't actually have. And so it puts it I guess to my mind, it could put a very interesting, different spin on Ishamael uh, as a flawed, evil character that's just wrong. I am that's not a hundred. I'm not a hundred percent sure he's wrong because uh, this this system of rebirth does seem like pretty <laughs> stressful. Uh, I will say, um, all right, can I fantasy book the show a little bit? Here's what I wanted to see. Um, I wanted Matt to wake up. Ishamael's cradling him right and talking to him. And he gives them all these lines. And then Matt looks back up and says, I thought you said it wasn't a sex thing. <laughs> uh, that would have, have been pretty great, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. See, that's, been... see, that's my book, Matt, because he's such a sarcastic asshole in the book. And he's, he's a little bit less so in the show. But like, I feel like that might have been book Matt's answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, cut to Ran, who is in Teleronroid. Yep. Good job. Thanks. He fell asleep. And I think this was on purpose. He's looking he's around. the tiredest guy. Looking for Lanfear. Yeah. I'll tell you this. If Lanfear was in Teleronroid, we'd have a lot of guys sleeping for like 21 hours, 22 <laughs> hours every day. We'd have a sleep epidemic in this country. Uh, so he's fallen asleep trying to trying to see her. And it's like, what's interesting about this scene to me is that she seems a little on her back foot. She's She is very comfortable chasing Luz. She's very comfortable chasing Rand. Rand's wanting her and needing her. She was a little taken aback by, it seemed like. And he basically asked her for help. And she the first thing out of her mouth is fuck Moraine. And he's like, damn, with the Moraine <laughs> thing again, could you not? And it, 
he, he's like, and then he tries to like play coy. He's like, well, maybe I don't need you. And she's like, oh, you know, you need me. And they end. And well, then we I'm... cut immediately to um, Lanfear's entrance music in the WWE. We got the glass shattering. <laughs> We've got the guitar playing. And she's rocking everybody's shit. Absolute power walk to the palace. Lanfear's coming and hell's coming with her. Well, yeah. and I, it's interesting, right? Because if you think about why she's doing this, she has to have some sort of motive for this grand entrance. Because, like, Lanfear could just show up yeah she doesn't have to do any of this she doesn't have to go through and destroy the four gate well sometimes so sometimes brie this is called self-care <laughs> and you know you just have to destroy a few thousand wait yes. wait all right so random crappy just, little homes sometimes BJ you just have to look out people for yourself you off. yeah BJ got on me about this. He thought like this was some sort of evidence that Lanfear is evil. Nobody cares about these red shirts in this story. <laughs> this is completely, it, it doesn't matter. And th- but Brie, you bring up a good point. Why did she choose to do it this way? And I honestly think that it, it all, it stems back to her hate of Moraine because I think, yeah, it, of course, some of her hate of Moraine is that, you know, Rand and Moraine are close and that she shows him a lot of attention and he has, she, she has his ear. But I also think that she really scoffs at and hates the Aes Sedai. Like, I think that she thinks they're weak and sort of a joke of what they used to be. And part of this might just be to show them, like, a, a demonstration of how much stronger she is than they are. Mm-hmm. I also, I like, that... I actually do think, I, I say self-care and a little flippantly, but, like, this is just fun for her. Yeah. It's also where she had the inn. Yeah. Yeah. It so is. I could also imagine it's just, like... My Fuck co- all of you people that had to partially live that, but 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 also like, I don't want people that kind of know anything about me to still be around. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Well, if it was that, she'd just level the city, right? Like, I mean, she wouldn't. It wouldn't just be like, just where she was. It'd be like destroyed the whole thing, right? I mean, no, like I don't know who else knows her, but that's fair too. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I thought this could be a distraction for the Aes Sedai that. You know, she's going to draw their mm-hmm. focus towards her while Varen gets Rand out. I don't know yeah. if that is that interaction. Like, I don't know how much Varen is ask, acting. Varen does Varen shit. Varen doesn't yeah. do anybody else's shit. Varen does Varen I think shit. It's, I think it's a little hard to say. I mean, I don't. I know we're all just kind of batting around ideas, right? So, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be too critical, but like, I don't. I don't know if it's like we can say that she's being particularly strategic here, right? Because like, letting the ice that I know she's coming, they could easily run Ran off. They could they could grab him and, and take right. him somewhere. And else. that's where like I don't know what she's doing, but I think it's an interesting point of like what is going on. So it seems like it's got to be vanity. Like it seems like it's got to be some level of vanity that she, it's like a, a kind of a weakness in land fear that mm-hmm. she has this level of being vain and she wants to show everybody how strong she is. Like, I think she's just, she's punking yeah. people. She's the, she's the, the, you know, like the high school kid who just like jumps at people for no reason. Like that's land fear. She's a bully. Yeah. Shout out land fear. The bully. I guess I didn't make her sound that great right no. then. Did I? <laughs> Not really. Not doing it. I'm doing it. Not you know, selling well. Taken on, since I've taken on Perrin defense lawyer, I've sort of fallen down on the job of Lanfear defense lawyer. Um, cut to the palace and Maximus admiring himself. It's fucking vain. Uh, <laughs> Land comes in with Alana. And, you know, basically Maxim's like, I don't like all this shit. And Alana's like, hey, that kind of par for the course, bud, and kisses his head. Cut to Logan who taunts Lan about stones being a gentleman's game. I love the reference to stones. And he... 
he mentions that land could run him through with a sword kind of like hint hint could you could you please run me through the sword please now i have a question for uh bg and brie on this uh how can, after he has been gentled how can Logain still see the weave so show canon uh they seem to be giving Logain some powers, like kind of like men's powers, that not everybody has. I don't think that that is, I mean, maybe, but. I, I So I think him being able to see other male channelers could be one of these things. Like it, it's kind of unclear. And again, this is sort of one of the frustrations that, you know, we talked to, we've talked, well, I've talked about a lot with the show. It's just like, you know, what, and it also could be just people don't know. Because, like, people don't know anything in this age, and that's just a thing, and that's what they're running with. But, like, who knows what, and who can see what, like, you know, Extremely can, unclear. can men see other men's weaves? Can men identify other men who can channel? Or is it just low game? Like, what, what's sort of going on here? So, I think the big thing is, it's unclear, but this sort of feels like a uh, low game can see things that other people can't. Because uh, otherwise, like why wouldn't Rand be able to see it? And then he sort of eventually does, but like, again, Rand's it's dumb. Rand yeah. well, doesn't what's, know. What's so, what's so bothers me so much about it is that my understanding of this is that you kind of have to like be able to touch the source to see these things. You have to be able to touch Sidene to see a Sidene weave, Sidar to see a Sidar weave, right? Like that's fairly consistent in the books. And Rand, in order to be able to see it, has to touch the source first. And then he looks and then he sees it. So yeah. they're, little, they're, they're relatively consistent with how they're portraying it with Rand, but not with him. I feel like the crux of the argument there that you, yeah, not really an argument, but disagreement you two were having is that like, BJ, you were trying to say like, it's inconsistent and they're trying to say that Loghain has special powers, maybe. And Bree, you were trying to say, I just don't think they've put enough thought in it. Like, I think, yeah, I think it was just That's pretty sloppy. much it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I unfortunately fall maybe a little bit more on your side, although I, I, I do hope that they're trying to be somewhat consistent here because it just didn't, I don't, it just reeked of being convenient to me. Yeah. Like, it just reeked of being convenient. To, so, like, the, how else would Land be able to figure it out? Yeah. And that's, that's where, like, you know, we're talking about hard versus soft magic systems that, like, once you start playing fast and loose, it gets really hard to, like, dig yourself out of a hole if there are rules. Yep. I don't know. But anyway, that's what happens in this scene. Yep. Um, I love I, I love every single scene with Loghain. Fantastic. He is He's so good. Fantastic actor. So, but Lan leaves there knowing that there is a weave on Moraine that someone's not channeling in. That's something else that Loghain offered him and said there's a weave held in place, but nothing being channeled into it. So Lan now knows that information. Yep. Cut to Alana coming in. She's like, hey, there's a fire out there. Fire! Fire! Hide your kids. And then uh, Lan's like, okay, cool. And then he's like, hey, you, Logan's like, hey, you were going to give me the key. And Lan was like, I w- no, I wasn't. And then just leaves. Like that he that was actually kind of cruel, the thing with the key that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I, mm-hmm. but you, I liked it still, even though like, ugh, come on, Lan, that was a bad move. It's because his, I, like, I think there's a great parallel to be made of like Lan's loyalty to Moraine what is it like the old SAT questions? Lan is to Moraine hmm. as Moraine is to Rand. Like as, <laughs> as loyal as Moraine is to Rand, Lan is going to be that fucking mm-hmm. loyal to Moraine. And if he's got to break a few legs and shake some people down and break a couple of laws, he's going to do it, whatever it takes for Moraine. So I kind of liked that we saw yeah. like that side of him. We also like this also ties into sort of the semi-random scene in, in, in season one of uh, Karini and 
Stepan. Stepan. And so, like, they're bringing that back up as to why he's being this cruel. And this is, like, basically the only time we've seen Rand have any emotion other than the smile that he gave you earlier in this Lan. episode. Yeah, Lan. We have a parent and Avienda scene. And the, the, ba- the big thing here is that we learn about toe obligation mm-hmm. in um, Joe, which is, G. what's Joe? G. G, which is, what is G? To, to honor. honor. G is honor, toe is obligation. There we go. We learn about those two things. They're pretty important in the IEL. And we also learn that Perrin has really good eyesight. And Avienda jokes around about sleeping with him or maybe him sleeping with one of the other sisters or whatever. And that's kind of like, you know, might seem like a cheap laugh or something. But I think they're actually giving you a little bit of a concept of the IEL culture, that they're a little bit more free with these things. Yep. And I think we are meant to know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So there was Nine. one thing that was yep. kind of fun that if you have it on subtitles, you can catch in the scene. Um, so there's a point at which um, Avienda is making hand signals to talk to her fellow warriors. And it it actually has the translation of the hand signal in the subtitles. And it says, oh. this is all water. How? Yeah. Like when they see yep. the great body of water. Um, anyway, like that was that. just a mm-hmm. cool catch. That was really cool. Like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Perrin then sees Falm in the dark. Falm. Perrin can Perrin can see in the dark, guys. Everybody, we all got it now. We got it. We got twice this episode. We, we, he can see things really well. All right, now we all know it. Um, Nynaeve looking at the Adam. Nynaeve says she doesn't know what it'll do to the woman, but she hopes it hurts. I got the impression here that Nynaeve and Elaine were desperately trying to put the Adam on the Solom. Like they, there was not a level of strategy here. Yep. They were just like, oh, we're just going to do this and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then it happened to work. And now we have to start asking why. Yeah. This is a naive plan, not an Elaine plan. Could <laughs> <laughs> have saved me 30 seconds on the recap. That, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Rena shows up to watch, to wash Egwene's arms and, uh, I do think that they're hinting here that Rena possibly would have made this like a like a sexual type thing with Egwene, and if you didn't get that, fine. Uh, but like, I think that they're they're opening that up, and I don't I think that's okay because I I think what they're trying to show us is that this is total domination. Like this, the the Adam has total domination mm-hmm. over uh, the the Demane, and like. All of that's on the table. Like if if she if Rena, Rena if Rena finds Egwene attractive, then she might she might eventually, you know, go that route with her. If she's a fucking sociopath that likes to punch things, she probably would have walked in and punched her ten times in the face. It's just whatever they want to do in that moment, um, they likely are are able to do. Uh, that's kind of what I took out of it because it was a little strange with the like very tenderly touching the arms and the, the whatever, but cool part about all of it is that none of it worked a queen <laughs> just drops her right at the end with rena i will kill you and that's how we end yeah boom mm-hmm. um anybody so- else have that read on that scene nope so i i guess i went with you know when you're when you're gentling a horse when you're trying to get a you know stray dog to trust you whatever like you do small gentle touches and gradual progression and and so you know yeah sort of i guess the same thing of like you know, you keep breaking down those barriers and then at some point those barriers are sexual, but like, that's not how I read it. Yeah. I guess I, what I really wanted in this scene was more like, 
all right, give me your other paw. It's dirty, and I have to clean it. Because uh, that's a lot more like the interaction from the books. And I feel like where they were trying, like, kind of the sense that they were trying to give, but they didn't actually do that overtly. So, like, yeah, I got that. It, I got your read that it was a lot more central than it should have been. This much more felt like your nails are dirty, and I can't have the other Soldam, like, looking at my dirty-ass Damane. So, like, give me your hand, and I'm going to clean it. Because you, you can't, like, pick up the water pitcher yet or whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think but... that, like, it's like arguing with myself, right? Like, so I I, I viewed it as, like, she she was hinting at that, like, that that's where she was eventually going to go with this. But even if you didn't get that from the scene, I still think, like, yeah, but it could. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, the, the point stands that it's – Egwene's in a position of being totally dominated by this other person. Right, yeah. And um, it, it could have it could have just as easily, even if it wasn't right, like it, that that everything's on the table. here. Yeah. And yeah, I, right. I did read it as you did, Lee. And part of that is um, part of that is the way the actress plays Rena. Um, and I think that like that undercurrent has been there for me the entire time in their interaction. Yeah, same. Um, same. So like this is not this is completely consistent for me. And it is especially consistent with. Um, a line that we didn't discuss earlier on the training grounds when um, Rena is, pr- is specifically talking about what, like what this exercise is supposed to do um, when she's saying to Egwene that like, well, it's going to test the limits of your power. And once they see how powerful you are, are, and everyone will know that you're mine. Um, and the way that she says that line is like, like, Yes, it's an object possession um, in the way that I think you're describing from the books, BJ. But the way that she says that, like, there are, like, real historical undertones there, too, um, about how these types of of um, dominating relationships work. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I got that read on the scene, and it was completely consistent. And, like, really, like... Egwene seemed sort of terrified at the beginning of this scene. I mean, yes, she rallies at the end, but like her deep uncertainty with what's going on here is really interesting to me. Yep. Yeah, she might have thought that she was going to have to do something. Yeah, with right. Rena that she clearly mm-hmm. didn't want to do. I've gotten it the whole time too, because it yeah. you know that 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 sort of like yeah, but I'm doing you a favor, right? Like yeah. I like all the, forget all this. It's stuff. grooming. Like, I, like it's, you, it's me it's and grooming. you are in this yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and you were in this together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so then we have the Barthana scene so with... before you move oh, on, cool. um, I just wanted to point out that this is the only thing that Egwene says the entire episode. Yep. Good episode for you. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it's a strong really episode interesting. for Egwene, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't m- noticed that, but that's, re- that's right really kind of cool. I, I will kill you. Kill you. Mm, tough. You know what's interesting is that she was able, she was able to touch Rena. But then she was also able to say, Rena, I will kill you. Like she couldn't have touched Rena if she had a desire to hurt her. Like if she was thinking actively mm-hmm. about like gripping mm-hmm. her hand and twisting it and hurting her. So what they might be showing us here is that she's getting pretty good at separating her thoughts Yeah, because she was able to do it pretty quickly there, mm-hmm. like to, to shift from, I'll give you my hand. And as soon as the hand went back, she was able to open that part of her brain up again and go, I'll fucking kill you. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're showing us. Mm-hmm. The Barthana scene with um, with his mother there is interesting. I already talked about the piece that I, I thought was the most interesting, which is with Avienda, which is where he's like telling her why he did it. And he's like, why? how do you think we rose so far? Mm-hmm. Which had to be just like a knife in her heart because she thought that 
her ability to play the game. And she took great pride in that and talking to Moraine was part of the reason that he went up yeah. so quickly. And, you know, the, the reveal at the end is that he, he thinks that they're still kind of in the early stages of this negotiation about the reveal that he's a dark friend and she kind of drops on him. I've already fucking told everybody and you're in a cell and game over. And I, I did get the sense that might be the, the last time we see Barthanis because uh, she, she seemed to be pretty yep. over and done mm-hmm. with. So the other thing that I really liked from her was, you know, he was talking about Moraine. Moraine's going to leave and not going to think about us at all. And she's like, yeah, that might be true. But what Moraine has is she understands the difference between right and wrong and also knows that doing the right thing is sometimes really hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it feels a little weird for her to say it, but I think it's something that was good for the audience to hear from her. Because I think that to a certain extent with what's going on, she understands that Moraine probably didn't want to just leave the house behind, but she's got shit to do and it's important. Yeah, I didn't like that because I think they were playing into the trope of the siblings that argue that like ultimately have ultimate respect and love for each other where it's like sometimes i just want the siblings to just fucking hate each other like <laughs> that's that's like sometimes a little bit more on the nose that i felt like it was a little tropey that you know she's every time Moraine's in the room she's like oh this lady sucks and then when she leaves like you know how strong she is it's, come on i've seen that story before that's fair i also do think that anavir demonstrates those qualities as herself mm-hmm. right like she clearly knows the difference between right and wrong dark friends are in the wrong and she knows that being like doing the right thing is way harder like she's already told on her son mm-hmm. and she's destroyed probably chances for her house right like Barthana's probably not gonna marry the queen now i would have liked the line better if she just said like women in our family understand like if she'd have made it yeah. her and Moran. that would have been good mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. i agree with you it, 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 the line does work for her too mm-hmm. considering what we know yeah. she's already done mm-hmm. we see uh Varen, very I got all right. Mia culpa here, BJ. The last episode two weeks ago, you probably forgot. You said you have to pay attention to what the I said I say, and I was like, shut up with that. They lie all the time. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so I was really like wrong about that. So just want to point that out um, because you really, really do need to pay close attention to what they say. And like, if you do that, this scene is one of the more interesting scenes in the in the the whole episode because of the line from Varen, where Varen comes in. Hustles in to tell Leanne, here's the line. I feel like I could do 20 minutes on the line. <laughs> the Amberlin requires your strength to protect the city. Okay. True. Boom. Segment yes. that. Seemingly Spot true. Spot the lie. I've been, I've been told to watch the boy. Well, fuck. I mean, Moraine could have told him that six months ago. This is in order. No, no definition of this or nothing. Who gave the, the order? Just, what? Yeah. Or, or it could just be me saying she this ordering? is in order. Right. This is in order. Like, you don't have to be specific about nope. it. And then Leanne, who is, you know, working on the shield with Rand, right? Not really paying too much attention, takes it on the face and lets the lets the weave go. And then we get the weave from Varen. I love the animation there. They're doing a much better job with the weaves and the, and mm-hmm. the one power this season. And off and, and Moraine, of course, knows exactly what Varen's doing because as soon as Leanne leaves, she goes, "You are very clever with your words, sister," which prompted me to pause it and scroll back <laughs> to, the, to know exactly what what she had said. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, you do have to kind of pay attention to what the eyes that I say. Um, Varen doing Varen shit. I'm here for it. That I, yeah. I so the thing that uh, I think is also important and 
it it's a little tough because Varen and um, uh, what's her name, who's drinks and 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 is real horny. Uh, that's Alana? her age. Alana. No, no. Oh, the older one. Uh, uh, Aldea. Oh yeah, Aldeas. Aldeas, Yeah. Um, they're like the only older Ace to die that we've gotten so far, mm-hmm. um, or at least more like more than just brief screen time interactions. I think Anaya was is a bit older, but like you sort of see what age brings to the Ace to die. Like they have a lot more gravitas. They also like know the ins and outs of like all the things that they can do that they need to do. They're very more settled people. into the role of Ace to die than sort of anybody else that we get on screen. Yep. Except for maybe Moraine. She's pretty She's pretty Ace Sedai. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, Varen Varen is like she's elite. She's so good. Mm-hmm. That God, that 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 three sentences there was just fantastic. This is in order. How can you? How can anybody argue with that? Hey BJ, this is in order. Okay, yep. great. Well, you just gave me an order. I don't know what it is, but you gave me one. Fan fucking tastic. Uh, anyway, and then she and Varen does this thing where she looks at Rand and she pokes her shoulders back and she goes, "The Dragon Reborn." You know, it's like when my. Like my grandma would look at me and be like, "High school graduate, like look at you, like you are looking good." I love this. So, that, so there's that, and the other thing, the other thing that that there is uh, in Varen is, and, and you've referenced this before. Varen is the person that's read ahead and then knows things that they don't s- seem mm-hmm. like they should mm-hmm. know, and they just come out with things, and it's just like, where did you get that? Yep. Um. But but yeah, I it's like oh this one. I I also keep expecting her to do the uh, the thing from the Matrix uh, that you know cute but not too bright. Um, but just because I mean that tracks right. She also says there's a way gate in the city. She says there was an Ogier steading. It used to be in the city, but they built right over it. So uh, brief fall back into that lore. We heard uh, Elaine call my guy Loyal a builder. That's mm-hmm. because the uh the what you call it with him i like those here oh gears yeah i got my notes here yeah the o gears would would go and they actually built a lot of these cities right so they would build the city but when they built the city they would also build a grove uh in the city where they did the building and there's a couple reasons for that but primarily it's because they fucking love trees and they adore it and they're like well this is you should a you should have this in your city but b when we come back for any reason we want it here and typically the waygate would be in that city that that area um, if there was going to be one, because the Ogiers were using the waygates to move around, right? Mm-hmm. So they would, it, you know, it would track that they would put it in the setting, which is the area they'd want to be, right? Yep. Um, anyway, so they um, used to be in the city. They built right over it. I think that also says a lot about Karheen, that, that like, the people there have been morally corrupt, uh, have been morally corrupted over the years, that they would they would build over or destroy an Ogier setting. Just cutting like down trees left and right. Yeah, it's, like, fucked up, right? Like, um Somewhere Spencer is screaming and yelling about Tolkien. But yeah, that, that is, is typic, typically an indication of evil in these fantasy stories if you're willing to cut down trees. Yep. Uh, Moraine says they're going to fall. Varen recites the dragon prophecy about, you know, going. She, she immediately knows. Like just BJ said, she's right ahead. She immediately knows, oh, you're taking him to fall. So you're going to proclaim him because that's part of the dragon, the dragon prophecy, right? Yep. Alana comes over, and I would describe Alana as a reluctant contributor. She. Uh, <laughs> The look on her face is Teacher like, put me on this group project. And <laughs> I guess I have to do it, but I don't bit. like it. 
Yeah, she's like, you're not alone in this, sister. Alone in this anymore, sister. But you need to hurry. So he's not safe. Alana looks at him and says, "Look at it, Rand." And says, "I hope you're worth this, boy." And off they go. And I wanted, you know, I really wanted Rand to just like toss her. You know, like just <laughs> something with the one power to show her. You, you, wait a second, you're talking to loose there and there. You need to settle down. Nope, he's just off. gobsmacked all the time. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I hope that changes season three. Anyway, in the in comes Land Moraine and Rand. We see Swan at the gates. I suppose waiting on Lanfear, maybe, or waiting on whoever's doing all of this to the city. And not the way gate. She's at the way the, the gates of the city yes. itself. And she asks the sisters to link with her and then she makes it rain. I one little thing the book did that I thought was kind of cool is that when the and I said I wants to make it rain in the book, it takes a little while because they have to gather the the clouds have to gather the rain and then the yep, clouds right. have to come. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of like that as opposed to like snap your fingers and it rains. But maybe there were already heavy clouds around. Like that's how I can kind of back myself out of it. But she does. She makes it rain and that kind of helps the city a little bit from all of the the danger that Landfear put in. Up comes Elaine. <laughs> or, uh, she's Leanne. She's confused, right? She's she doesn't know what the hell's going on. Uh, I'm here mother who's shielding the boy and then it's just kind of like oh you got duped as swan gives her that look and um anyway she says the boy can't leave the city and she tells leanne to lead the sisters there at the gate while she takes off yep cuts the way gate moran's like moran's like hey ran you need a channel to open the way gate so a couple things on this <laughs> channel to open the way gate what like that that part's confusing me but then you know of course uh Rand is kind of confused and lands like, no, Moraine, you're going to do it. And then, then, then we have the the scene, which I would imagine for a lot of people watching the show, um, especially the folks who are maybe a little bit more casual in their digesting of the, the plot. This was a super, super powerful part, right? Cause like Moraine getting her powers back was probably a top two or three moment of the season for most people. And they, that's exactly what happens. I only thing I really want to talk about here is two things one is that rand is able to do it mm-hmm. i find i'd like I, i'm interested in in everybody's thoughts on the fact that rand is actually able to do this and two that moraine looks at him and says i trust you and my question there is that is this just desperation which it could be just fuck it, just try it i, I don't care mm-hmm. or yeah that's a great point so maybe mm-hmm. maybe we can make we can get rid of a right maybe there has to be some level of trust for her to say it so does she trust loose there in the dragon reborn or does she trust the man Rand Althor that she's gotten to know? Because I increasingly that is a very important distinction for Rand. Mm-hmm. And I wonder from her what she's saying here. Is she saying, like, I know you, Rand, like we're we're boys. Like I, I know you're gonna you're gonna help me if you can. Or is she saying, like, there's no way loose there and fucks this up. He's too powerful. Um I don't think that anybody knows in this age really about Luz Theron. She does. Uh, I mean, they know they know that Luz Theron was the dragon reborn, right? Well, was the dragon. So she was because, and I know that because she was talking about uh, Landfear, and she was talking about how Landfear loved Lewis and et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. but like that he's Luz reborn, but like I don't know that she knows that that means anything in terms of Rand. Okay, well, I I I threw you off by using the name Lewis. Like, is it? Is she saying, yeah. I trust you because you're the most powerful guy, you're the dragon reborn, you're the chosen one? Or is she saying, I just know your character? I think it's the latter. I think she trusts him because he's Rand. Yeah. I also, like, I I think that she f- is doing the best that she can to make sure that Rand gets to the last battle and kind of understands that she's expendable in terms of the pattern. 
So, like, she, like, I don't think she, that she would just be like, well, I'm the most important Aes Sedai to the dragon, and so him and the pattern are all going to be, you know, copacetic, and, and I'm going to be fine. Uh, I mean, she does, you know, say the wheel weaves is the wheel wills a lot, but, like, I, I don't think that she's confident in her role in the pattern, uh, but does trust Rick. I would also add a little bit of nuance in there to the conversation that we just had about um, about paying close attention to Aes Sedai words. She doesn't have to necessarily mean that she trusts him to do this specific thing. Um, She didn't say, Rand, I trust you to be able to harness the one power and cut this thing that I don't even know if this is really true. But Lan says this is a thing. Um, She can trust him in a more general way, holistic (laughs) way. Right. holistic but way I as a human any of my secrets yeah <laughs> but i do think she's saying i trust you to do this like i because the way she opens her shoulders and the way she yeah. looks at him and kind of drops her head like i agree with you there is an out there mm-hmm. there's some fine print but like yeah i kind of think that's what she's saying to him like yeah and i i, I don't know i like i really does she have another tell. option yeah but i yeah and i, I don't to, think she has to, another, to option. The other no. option point i think she's so committed to rand being functional that like she's like well if we're going to make this work, he has to do this right because otherwise he's going to get weird about it. Um, she but- could have said, she could have said, how about we not do it really quickly in a high stress moment when you had 10 <laughs> seconds to think about it and maybe we talk this through when we have a little bit more time so we can be more careful. Yeah. Like she could have done yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's there's a couple other options. I, mean, there. But I also, don't know. Like, I, yeah. She should know that he can't open the way gate. Like it, he, he has no knowledge about anything. So I like I, yeah, she, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. You know how the show is. She probably yeah. would be like Rand, <laughs> look at it and think, think really hard, Rand, and then he would just like do it. Like that's kind of how they, yeah. they do with it's the like magic. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to point out, which is I think much more a nod to the book readers. So so Lee, I don't know if you uh, noticed this, but the weaves that went into cutting the shield, they were fire and spirit which is in line with cutting weaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't that like the, the guys, the people who use Sidene, fire and spirit are the, 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 the two elements that are the strongest in them or something. So it's yeah. fire and earth that men are stronger with and air and water that women are stronger with, but fire and spirit are like the weaves that Ace and I use to like cut our other weaves off. So when, uh, book three rand is you know sort of dueling it out with somebody he uses that yeah uh, that one so you you may be right but you also have all all of you and i'm talking to every single book reader i've talked to forgotten which is what in what book (laughs) every single one of you i've talked to i got like five people who've read this series and they're all like what's going on in book four again and they want to ask me have you gotten to which can't do that (laughs) right it's very difficult so, but you've gotten to the fall of the zone of tear, which is uh, book three. So, anyway, um, you're not supposed to say those words. Sure, we might need <laughs> not even have a stone. I don't know that it tear might exists not be in this world. Tier. I mean, I do <laughs> yeah. think yeah. that it exists. Yeah, because th- that's where Swan's from. Anyway, right. well, uh, we can so, shout so out I the, do appreciate that. We can shout out the 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 sentence that. I think everybody loves, which is where she gets her power back and she says, I can feel it. And then she says, thank you to Rand, you know, just sort of like quickly and cordially. And then a very deep thank you to Lan. And he says, I'm sorry it took yep. me so long to do my duty. Yep. And then she gives him this look like, 
God, you're so good. Like you are <laughs> like, oh, you're like the best man ever. Uh, and then cuts to Moraine Chandlin at the Waygate. She opens it up. Swan comes up, uh, throws land rude. Swan tells her to close the Waygate. Moraine's like, no. And then Swan's like, I can make you. And, and because Moraine had sworn on the oath rod to do what Swan uh, tells her to do, there's like specific wording to that. Swan is able to like basically make Moraine do something against her will. Like mm-hmm. almost took control of her body in a way. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it's like a, um, like a compulsion type mm-hmm. thing. Uh, like make, and, and you know, Moraine t- gives her a line before she does it. She says, no, if you've ever loved me, don't do this. A lot of people out there are thinking, oh, well, maybe Swan was in on it. And, you know, these two are still in cahoots and whatever. And I took this as Moraine saying, if you make me do this against my will, me and you are over forever. And I can see why someone would say that. That's a pretty powerful thing that Swan was doing there. Yep. Yeah, I think this was a fantastic performance of being coerced like Mm -hmm. that. Like you could really see that Moraine absolutely did not want to do that and then felt compelled to do it. It was kind of tough to watch. Yeah, and the way that uh, Rosamund Pike really um, portrayed not only the physical compulsion, but the sort of, like, emotional betrayal of Swan Mm -hmm. doing that to her uh, was really good. Yeah. I think it's a good juxtaposition with the uh, Soldam Damane Mm -hmm. uh, relationship earlier in this uh, episode. Uh, And then... uh... Is that Landfear's music situation? I, I literally have that in. written down. <laughs> Landfear, Landfear comes in just tossing the fucking Amarillo seat like she's a one-year, like a first-round sparring yep. partner in a cheap gym. She just fucking tosses this lady. Um, it was, it was kind of great, too, because, like, you know, I don't know what, I mean, I guess maybe desperation, but Swan, like, starts to buck to her. And Moraine, I think at this point, Moraine has broken up with Swan. I know it just happened seconds <laughs> ago, but I do think she's literally broken up with her. Moraine but has she's, decided it will never change. But it's like it's like the girl who just who's broken up with a guy, but he's drunk at the bar and he's squaring up to the guy a hundred pounds heavier than him, and she's like, uh, "Please don't, like, please don't. I don't want to see you hurt yourself. Like, I know me and you are broken up, but I, I don't want you hurt. Like, that's Moraine gives her a warning. Swan does it anyway. Landfear tosses her, but then Landfear uh, is, I think, very much going to kill Moraine. I don't think this is a bluff. I think she's going to kill her, and Rand stops her. Rand says, no, you will not do it. If you want any of my help ever, you will not do it. And she goes, more and more, you're like, lose. And like, lucky for you, a broken Amerlin is more useful to me than a dead one. Um, or not Amerlin, right? She says a broken eyes to die is more useful to me than a dead one. And then broken she walks Amarlin. into the... Amerlin, yeah. Oh, she's broken. Okay, so she mm-hmm. leaves the Amerlin there. Okay. Um, and then she walks into the way gate. Land, Moraine, and Rand follow. Moraine makes eye contact with Swan. Tough scene because you get a little bit of flashback there. And I think those two are over. End of recap. Yep. I love the last scene, which uh, I know everybody's shocked to hear. But I I liked it more for Moraine than I liked it for Lanfear. Lanfear loves Luz and I think does love Rand. And I was not shocked that she came to help him. I thought I always thought that was in the cards. Yep. What I what I like is Moraine following through on what she said to Lan earlier in the episode, which is that helping Rand is more important than anything Mm -hmm. else. And in the episode, Swan says, you care about your pride above all else. But Moraine sort of tosses her pride aside because she links arms basically with Lanfear and and travels off with her through the way. Yeah. Like that, that, that is Moraine ditching everything other than I am going to support Rand and whatever he does. So she's kind of following through on what she said to Lan earlier in the episode. So I like that part. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. 
All right. Scenes. I just said mine. So there we go. I already went. Okay. Uh, Sarah. I, um, I will go line, but it's the performance in the scene. I'm going to Shamael again. And I want to go back to the line of, we keep living these lives, trying again and again. Um, and yeah, uh, because and I pick that beginning of that specifically because like there are um, there's a sort of like parting of the ways fork in the road for how that conversation could go from there. Because if you just isolate, we keep living these lives trying again and again, like that actually could be a really hopeful reading. Um, That's the end of season one. Yes, yes. Um, and then to come back and have this uh, sort of completely desolate reading of we keep living these lives, trying again and again. I love that. I love Ishamael doing this. Um, I love the moment that we get from him. Um, I think it's great. Um, so I'm going to say something insanely spoilery. Uh, Whoa. That, that uh, I don't think is going to matter for, for, for anything. Uh but that thread of how Ishamal is, is uh, one of the things that Brandon tried to capture in his writing of Ishamal. Mm. And uh, that's it, super spoilery. It is. Whoa. <laughs> but what does it spoil? Uh, all right. Uh, people, people press, press 30 seconds forward now. <laughs> I'll put my earmuffs on, fuck, I guess. That a Shamayo that a Shamayo gets to when Sanderson starts writing. Yeah, actually. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a big fucking spoiler. He doesn't start until book twelve. I mean, but it doesn't matter because the show and the book are different. Okay. All right. Um, uh, my blood pressure's lower now. <laughs> um uh, okay, so my nomination. I didn't get to nominate anything. Okay. <laughs> My my, my you scene. Off the boat. Yeah, throw <laughs> uh, you off the island. My my favorite scene was uh, the cat getting disturbed by. <laughs> so funny. Aguin's <laughs> 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 pup. Um, the cat's just like, what, did I miss you? So like, what just happened? <laughs> that was funny. Um. But I will actually nominate Rena. I will kill you. Mm, mm-hmm. That's not fair. That's what I was gonna do. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, B, that was a hard swerve from BJ because he fucking yeah. he, he he nominated an Egwene line. This is big. <laughs> he he knows that I've been looking at that in my notes. And I have it written down. I don't pay attention to what uh-huh. you do over there because that was gonna be mine. Is the scene between Rena and Egwene. Uh all right, fine. I'm going to do a little throwaway, and it's also about cats. It's when Maxim and Alana are talking about, well, hey, this sucks. We're coming up against the last battle, and don't really like this. And Alana's like, did you expect we would fight the last battle against an army of kittens? Can I Can I do a rebuttal to that one? I hated that scene because... <laughs> it, because because it, it was, was such like, a throwaway. Like it, it didn't need to be there at all. Jordan does this sometimes, and it's okay. But like <laughs> the portrayal, the portrayal of men as infants. It's like this fucking <laughs> moron is just looking at himself in the mirror, and then is like, "I'm scared." And she's like, "Oh, honey, come here," and like kisses his forehead. It's like this guy's a good dope. <laughs> okay, anyway. but I do like her line about yeah, it was, it was you know an army of kittens. 
Although right, the uh, needle sharp claws were a little unpleasant. It would be. All right, but I think Renna and Eggie take the cake. Renna and Eggie. Renna and Eggie oh, take the what? cake sounds like a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> it does instead of I will. Yeah. Well, I my my one week streak is over yep. of winning the winning the yes. yep. yeah one one it's actually two weeks because we waited two weeks to go so oh I had a streak for two weeks had a streak for two weeks going guys yeah absolutely ten busiest right. days again uh, well, I didn't have a lot of faith I was going to so <laughs> I feel pretty good uh, I'm like one in forty seven mm-hmm. uh, all right so winners and losers of the episode. Let's start with Brie because BJ read off her notes, so she gets to actually say hers this Loose time. The episode is the cat that got woken up. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, I think I think it has to be the Amerlin. I think mm. Swan is a loser. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. not only does she lose the Dragon Reborn, she breaks up with her girlfriend, commands her girlfriend to do something, which you know, completely, absolutely shatters that relationship, and gets tossed by a forsaken yeah i mean all of the things are bad she had a tough run of it that's fair yeah she's like uh she's fresh carp caught in a net (laughs) on the boat deck before the motor runs you're certainly trying she's a a catfish noodled from her hole what (laughs) it doesn't sound like you had had an old man that fished uh all right um bj Winners and losers. Um, Wait, can I'm, I put in a nomination for a winner? Go for it. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Sure. About, I think it might actually be Lan. Mm. Sort of for the opposite reasons, right? Like he successfully figures out this puzzle that's been plaguing him. Gets all the little pieces. Trains Rand to stand up to the um, Amarillan seat. And gets Moraine back. So like they're two halves of a cowboy song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's right. that's right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Second stanza, swan. Exactly. Yeah. Is it a swan so, song? I think. <laughs> there you go. That's better. That's better. I like it. Uh, I think Rena might be winner of the episode. Is she? <laughs> what? She got told she will get killed fuck? by her demonic. Rena? How in the world? Make the case. <laughs> so she has, the, she has the most powerful demonic of anybody there and just showed all of her peers that that was the case even though she doesn't seem to be training her right and okay that's true like sure Egwene like is is still you know barking but she's got no bite I don't know the like that was more like a growl the real uh like a disappointment and sort of personal betrayal in Rena's eyes at the end of that scene makes me feel like it is impossible for her to be a winner um, um, loser of the episode, uh, someone other than the Amarillin. That that is uh, tough. I mean, you can you can just say the Amarillin too. There doesn't have to be um, all losers. Yeah, we're not ordering dinner here. You can you can yeah. pick the same entree. <laughs> That's true. Um, I mean, Nynaeve did not have a great no. episode. She did not. Because uh, she because <laughs> she, she's. Being too naive. <laughs> naive has had a pretty. Naive has had a pretty poor second half of the season. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. don't worry, it gets worse. Spoiler: mm. it does. Um, Sarah, winners and losers. Um, I think I, I agree with the Amarlin is loser, but I would, um, I would throw nephew Bart in there as well. Oof. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, going from 
like marrying the queen to stuck in a jail cell. It's a pretty I'm deep s- fall. It's a pretty steep, yeah. steep. So, I'm so jealous of nephew Bart. Like that's the exact type of shit I like to do is to mess up somebody's name <laughs> to make them smaller. <laughs> that is exactly what I love to do. That was amazing. Nephew Bart. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I don't, to your point, I don't think we're seeing him again. So this was a, this was a one-time thing. We're pulling it out Probably now. Probably not. I think he's dead. Um, <clears throat> And uh, winner, I I like Lan as winner too, um, but I am also going to nominate Varen for getting to do all of the Varen things. Like I think that that's she true. Was, she was pretty clutch. She was. I don't know why the, she was deep in her Miss Marple period. Yep. And uh, directing things from the sidelines the whole time, and I I think that she was very happy doing that. My winner of the episode is Moraine because she basically rekindled the relationship with Lan. She um, got her power back. She ha- is true. showing in action. She's showing that she means what she says. Like she says what she means. Like she, when she says, I'm going to follow her in. She fucking does it. She sticks to it. She stared down death because when Lanfear squared on her, she was probably 30 seconds away from dying and hung tough. And I think that she split up with the Amarillan and that will probably serve her well. Uh, considering what she has to do the rest of her life. It's probably good that she doesn't have that emotional pull if she really, if her number one goal really is doing any and everything it takes to support Rand. She probably needed to get rid of that relationship. So that's probably good. Loser of the episode for me. I'm going to shock you all. Sit down. Be prepared. Landfear. Landfear lost this episode. Let me explain why. So first, um, she didn't have a lot of screen time. We need more screen time. <laughs> Wait, so Lee lost, Lee lost this episode. Not we, all, we all lost. But she got to burn the four gate. Like she burned all those people that were crappy to her. And had a great time doing it. Here's why I really. Lovely. Here's why I really think it right. She like, kind of so, did pull the Spider-Man 2 or whatever when, when Tobey Maguire was emo and, and anyway, running through the city. There, Go ahead. There was a period when you liked movies and it like it's a very discreet time period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's a period not, when I watched movies. <laughs> Men in Black, Spider-Man 2, Independence Day. Oh, I got it. Oh. <laughs> the Matrix, come on. Yep. Here's my two, but the real two reasons why like I think that Landfear lost the episode. So the, the number two reason, the, the silver reason is that she didn't kill Moraine and like she really does want to kill Moraine. She, she really does. Fucking does like her. Yeah. And like, she wasn't able to do something so kind of small and basic for her. She was not able to do it the, this episode, even though she really wants to. And Moraine continues to be, I believe, in the show, the number one influencer of Rand. I think that the, he, she has Rand's ear more than anybody else. And I think that includes Egwene, Nynaeve, Perrin, mm-hmm. all of them. I think right now mm-hmm. she has his ear number one. But the second thing is that, and it's a little more subtle, is that like she allowed herself to be used. Lanfear prides herself on being unpredictable, powerful, playing by her own rules, having her own agenda. Nobody knows where she is, what she's doing. And Rand was able to take a cat nap and use her, just basically manipulate her into doing what he needed in that moment. And that that ultimately takes her down a notch. She does it out of love. She loves Rand. She loves Luz. But like that, that weakens her, I think, and is probably something that she doesn't love that happened that's probably and that might be why the actress was acting it the way she did when rand was like do it where she was like oh i don't love this because he basically is like he, he had her on command mm-hmm. and that's that's not very land fear yep i like that that's a strong argument 
uh, I think that the the Amarilla needs to lose this episode. I mean, she just yeah, she got she, 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 she took L's all you know all throughout. Um, it was rough. I think I think the combination of of Moraine and Lan is winner the, the winner of this episode because like they both do a lot and they are where they should be at the end of this episode. Can we start calling them Akish Lorraine? <laughs> it took me a second. That's pretty mm. good. <laughs> I, you know I what love really was? <laughs> that you're 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 taking my role in pottering around <laughs> for, for, for wheel of time, and it, it just makes me so happy. This is this is the emperor talking to Luke, saying, "Feel the hate <laughs> for you," and and it, I'm here for it. Perfect. The real winner of the episode was the moraine and land prequel <laughs> everybody needs to go by and be confused about when to read in the timeline uh okay all right anything else we should talk about this episode um yeah, i think we pretty thoroughly covered mm-hmm. it so i think the last thing is where where does where is this episode in terms i mean maybe we should talk about this more next episode but where is this episode in terms of like how the show was hitting i mean uh, it had me hook line and sinker at this point i mean i was like I was locked into every scene. Yeah. Um, you know, watched it as soon as it came out type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, there was certain plot lines that they've got going now that is like must watch television for me. So they, yeah. they certainly had me plugged in. So I think you watched basically episode five or six and then powered through like you're like, I'm not playing with this waiting till we. Yeah, I think it record. was five, six, seven. I did that and then um, it got busy. I still haven't finished the finale yet, but um yeah, and I, I mean, I would agree with that. Like, I was I was locked in. I do feel like, for me, this episode this episode had more short scenes that felt throwaway-y. Um, yes, I yeah. would agree with that. But the main storylines that I cared about were so strong that, I mean, it didn't really matter for my viewing experience. Yeah. But I, I certainly noticed that there were. Um, well, that's a very Robert Jordan thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> to have to have a couple couple a couple POVs you're really hoping to get to, and then six Egwene's back to back. Just wait for Winter's Heart. All right, uh, all secondary <laughs> characters all the time. So now this is fun. Yeah, this is this yeah. is real fun. Have fun. We'll do it again next week. See you. Alright, welcome back to the spoiler part of things, where we talk about spoilers and book spoilers and, and all the things. Um, I'm just going to go out and say that I hate their explanation of Gito. Uh It's terrible because it was a battle and she fell in battle. Like, that, why would she have... Why would she have toe towards... Yeah, why, why would she have some obligation? Like, they were fighting. Unless, like, she went off crazy and, like, but that's not the sense that I got. And also just the amount of like damage that they were doing was like this is not reasonable also like the cut on a front just they should have just turned her over a rock and switched her yeah that would have that would have been more in line with the books yeah would it not i mean like but something more like that where it's clearly a punishment rather than right. like random a fight just hitting i mean they're they're taking the scene where sulan and everybody beat the shit out of rand and min freaks out and putting it here and it but it doesn't make sense because 
like you had the whole time with Avienda explaining to Rand what Giuto is and then like anyway. Well, but I do think that it's a nice I think the point or the impact of the scene is that the Aeol culture is very distinct from any others that we've seen so far. And that Perrin, as a stand-in for the viewer, has no fucking clue what's going on. And, sure. And he's just, like, appalled. And we're also supposed to be appalled. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't think, like, I don't like it. And I don't think that the description or the way that it's laid out is particularly well done. Unless it was, like, Avienda was supposed to be guarding Jolene. And Jolene fell because Avienda was not doing her job. Yeah. Like, I could see that, maybe, but it's not. Yeah. They Doesn't need really to matter. explain more. Um, what else do you got? Uh, I mean, I don't know. There there are so many things that, you know, to talk about that. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to do this too much in terms of, like, planning about the show, but they're, they're not doing the through line of Egwene being good with uh stone earth and it's a big deal because she eventually learns how to make Quendiar and that's a big deal for the siege of Tarvalon it's a big deal for her figuring out the flame of Tarvalon like it's it's endgame big deal and it's also like a big deal with uh I don't know, some like mid to late stuff that that she starts doing with the Aeol and and working with uh, making Terangriel, like playing with Terangriel, especially the uh, stone ring. Um, yeah, I guess I don't see it as being that big of an issue because, quite frankly, they haven't addressed that people can be stronger in one part of the power than other And parts. I think that's a problem. I'm not sure that they have time to really dig into that. And so, like, at that point, like, why... I, I why There are so many problems. Why why put that in? Because, like, well, it, it matters for later on. And, and But does it? Like, maybe, not maybe the she's show, just strong like, and she sure. does these things I mean, and but, she like, learns special things. We can say things. that the books don't mean anything and don't matter, but, like... I, I mean, that's partially true. Sure. Anyway. I think there are a number of scenes in this in this episode in particular that are aberrations are like taken just sort of out of yeah. context of where they were in the books. Um, and I think it works fine. Like, you know, I still think that the, the show is doing a good job and I think I it's think doing a better that... job with the things that it takes away from the books, but like, yeah. they're not the same. Right. Oh, they're definitely not the same. Uh, which brings me to another point. Do you think that they're going to do the box? Yeah. I, I I'm not sure. I, I think I think that if they do, it's they they have to write themselves in and out of it. Yeah, but I think you know in they I think they've set it up very nicely where it could happen because the Merlin explicitly says it is in Tower Law that the Dragon Reborn shall be caged and he will be kept captive and only allowed to channel when we want him to. Right. So, like, there's already, like, explicit precedent in the show sure. for I, caging the dragon reborn. How do you get him out? The will come, and we have Ashaman. Uh, but, like, I, like I, yeah, I, but, like, I don't know, like, that, that doesn't get set, like, it feels like it's going to be too soon, and you also don't have, like, this, like, tying off weaves aren't a thing 
in this age, in this turning whatever. So Luz Theron isn't a thing so far, at least in the show. I think Luz Theron is a... Okay. In yeah, Rand's head. I mean... Like, but, oh, like, yes. That is not but, a thing. But, maybe but, that's how he comes to be, is in the box. He starts maybe, hallucinating and... I don't know. ...interact. Um, so that that's one of the things where it's just like, well, if they don't have tying off and one person can shield Rand now, maybe, like, they can't later, but, like, that was sort of, like, the whole point of, like, attacking. And so, I don't... Like, anyway, this feels I, like... I like, don't... Like, I don't think that those are all that big of obstacles. I think, especially with the way the show's been playing sort of fast and loose with things, it would be easy for them to sort of hand wave that stuff away. I Again, I 100% agree, but, like, you have to, like, it has to make, like, um, my worry is that they're just going to put it in and be like, no, it's fine, it makes sense. And it's like, but it doesn't. Yeah. So, I, like... I also don't think that there will be enough time taken to... Because that's a huge part of Rand's development, right? It's like being in the box. Right. and But it's... Going through that trauma. It's so far in, too. It's book six. And so if he... That might be in season four, then? I don't know. Because, like, next season, he needs to... He's going to go to the waste. Right. Like, he has to go to the waste. And, like, and as I was saying, like, do we just skip over all of book three? Which yeah. it kind of feels Goodbye. like we have to do. Which has other problems because it sure does. because All the way Kalendor to the end. Right, right is important like super important at the end. It's it's like this random sword that we're all like I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do with that and then ah ah you're supposed to use it at the very end. Got it. Yes, for the reason that it has a flaw. Right. Um. And yeah. So and what the flaw is? Uh. What else? Uh, I think I. I think the scene read okay that they actually had Swan and Rand interact in a very similar way that they did in the books. Yeah. Like the same kind of sort similar. of, yeah. Rand got presented to the Merlin. Lan had given him some pointers on what to do. I think that actually worked reasonably well. And I think Rand is still at the same sort of emotional development of like, he's still a little unsure of what's going on. A little bit naive and so but he his back obviously gets put up when she is like well you know nothing and like why have we been letting you run around for six months and yeah. we should cage you like clearly he's doesn't take that well and so i think that there are similar things that come out of this meeting as came out of that previous meeting sure um, in the books so one of the things that i want to be true and I know it isn't because they've done completely different things in the show, is uh, Lanfear saying a broken Amerlin is more useful to me than a dead one. And one of the big plot lines in the show, and this would have been super useful if they played things this way, is that um, Semmerich has been messing with the tower basically for the entire time that the tower's been the tower. And... I think it was supposed to have influenced uh, Hawkwing. And... Yeah, no, she manipulated so much of and so it tower would... history. But none of the Forsaken were free. Right. Maybe. They play fast and loose with Hishamel uh, in How season one. How long he's been, yeah. Because he is out, 
but isn't out until Bran frees him, and, like, it's a whole thing. Just poking out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it feels like they're hinting at that plot line, and then it would make sense that, like, none of the Aes Sedai can tie off weaves and, and like, are... It's one are of the, so, like, backwards, basically. Right, are so backwards, and it's one of the big things in the books that, like, this is why all of the Aes Sedai don't know shit, is because... The, Semraj has been actively working like, to destroy and the, it. The, the, the Black Aja has been part and parcel to the White Tower for the entire time. And uh, leading into OG uh, Varen being like, let's see how deep this, this rabbit hole goes. Um, but they're not doing that. It doesn't seem like Semraj is even going to be a thing. Um, I think she might be a thing. Okay. But I, I mean, don't know. Well, she's super important for, for late late book stuff book so stuff. you know they'll probably cut it out and give it to uh Mogadon because whatever we have eight now um I don't know uh but but like it feels like they're leaning toward that aspect of the White Tower without having the reason that the White Tower was that way yeah I agree um and just a little problematic you know we've also talked uh, a bit about leandrin taking over the amarillin seat and like you know i feel like that's gonna happen but you know we'll see um yeah i don't know i i think that there are, are a lot of things down the road that you know we'll we'll see how they end up doing but it feels like it feels like it's getting harder and harder to get to later beats in the books which is really weird because you know, one of the big complaints about Game of Thrones was they didn't have source material for the later seasons, so they just had to write stuff whole cloth, right. and it didn't work super and, well. Well, where it's just like they're getting pretty damn close to writing whole cloth. Right. It's a little wild. Uh, so. Um, I did. I did like. I would say the uh, I I L hand signals. Yeah. And like I, they're a little bit awkward, but I do like that. Nobody has been like, ah, these, these are maiden hand signals. Yeah. We kind of do need Loyal or somebody eventually to be like, oh, yes, look at that. Yeah. But for right now, I think it's, it's well, entertaining if, to... If we had a male Ayl, then we could have gotten it, but apparently they don't, but they don't exist. Don't. So, um, yeah. Nobody cares about men. Pretty much. Sorry. I think that's... That's pretty good, unless yeah. you have a lot of other things. I think that there are, you know, other bits and pieces that, you know, we could delve into more at some point. Um, I will say I need to be real careful about not forgetting that Varen is not black right now, slash nobody. Yeah. Because I was just like, do, do, do. And then I was like, oh, I, I need to be a little careful about that. Yeah, that, that was one of the other things that, you know, I think is sort of worth talking about. Because Moraine says, oh, you're very clever with your words. And, it, and well, this is also one of the things that, you know, I talked about wanting to see is, like, Varen's black and doesn't... Well, in the show, Varen could be whatever she is. But in the book, she's black-ish. Uh, people talk about her being purple because she's yeah. Varen doing Varen shit. Um, but she can lie. Um, and we find that out eventually. Um, I really wanted to see enforcement of the oath age the Aes Sedai or do something like that because, you know, one of the things that we find out much later is that it's the oath rod oaths that prevent uh, Aes Sedai from living long. Oh, yeah. Um, also, like, make them look ageless, but it also limits their lifespan. And so I wanted to see 
and maybe like the weird misty breath that we got or something was supposed to be that like it but it would have been nice to see was that a thing in the books that if you got compelled to do something no but like okay because i was just like where is this coming from it's coming from like they're gonna have to do something or or they don't because it's the show and nothing matters but like it'd be nice for, for them to do something to make it like some of these things more obvious yeah like because or like something that somebody could figure out because like it's an important thing later and it's a revelation and like sowing some seeds would be cool and here's a place that they could have done it mm, i think it would have confused people i don't think that that would have been particularly helpful because we really haven't had any discussion of the oath rod as promoting the ageless look or shortening their lives or any like well none of the Sedai know anything about that right but like there hasn't been any motions towards sure, that so i really like, don't think that that's but helpful. planning planning seeds early on and but getting that's just gonna lo- confuse people like we're already getting we are information overloaded in even just this episode yeah well for reasons all right yeah no there's just like way too much information I think that it, it would be better served to put in things that will pay off later rather than weird info dumps that are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like sort of throwaway things in this episode. So. All right. But still, it was fun. Oops. Until next time. Yeah.